Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. I've made a lot of babies, I guess. Anyway, alright, enough, enough banter, we should probably get into the actual <laughs> show. Let's do it. Alright. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick, I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, ringing in the new year, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, not much, Pat. I know, I, I, need, I need my sash and my top hat <laughs> and my baby diaper, baby I was, was going to say, I go the me. opposite way. I, I, I dress down for New Year's, you know, I just, I just go, I get the adult depends and just, uh, just rocking that. <laughs> Nothing like a fresh new start. And I think we all need it, Pat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 2020 has been uh, quite a year and uh, my Christmas was great. How was yours? It was wonderful. Yeah, it was good. So it, nice, nice and small, yeah. just with the immediate family. Yep, yep. Very good. Very good. Yeah, it was. It was great. And uh, I think we're ready to talk about 2021, man. I'm, I'm excited. I think, you know, my, my wife is actually a medical professional, so she's getting her uh, she's getting her the first dose of her vaccine tomorrow. So we're pretty excited about that. And uh, yeah, man, I think uh, nice. I think we're turning a corner, man. I think we see the light in the tunnel. So. I'm getting I'm getting amped up again. I'm not gonna lie. I'm getting really excited. My girlfriend also works at a hospital and she got her vaccine uh today. Nice. So nice. just more proof why women outlive men. Yeah. Uh you know I mean I will take <laughs> as soon as it's offered me, I will take it, but I think there are people far more important to uh the uh into to society than an electrician. So <laughs> than us. Yeah. But, <laughs> far uh, more but when they start us. giving us uh blue collar guys uh uh vaccines, I'll be first in line for sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we can uh, get back out there to have some awesome magic. Things. Yes, yeah. I can't. I, I'm. I. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that it's been almost a year since I've been to an in-person magic event, and uh, I, I, I. It's amazing how much I miss it. Like the even the even I the know. big tournaments, which like aren't my favorite things. Like GPs aren't my favorite things to go to, but I I miss them dearly. So I'm excited for uh for things to get back into swing, man. That's awesome. Looking forward. But before we move on to 2021, Pat. We got to do a 2020 year in review. Yeah, this almost actually got by us because of how insane <laughs> December has been for us. Uh, we did our art episode. It was just like, been, it's been crazy, right? So uh, we almost missed like one of our most requested guests, uh, but we were able to get him just in the, in the nick of time. So Yes. Thanks so much <laughs> for joining us once again. Everyone's favorite, the one and only Mr. Gavin Verhey. Thanks so much for coming back on, man. So excited to be on, as always. This is a yearly tradition. And, uh, you know, I just figured when I wasn't contacted to try out something new, it's been a weird year, right? But, uh, you know, then I saw I saw the, everyone in that Facebook thread, and they were just so sad. They were so, so sad. sad. I just had to, had to come on in for all the listeners and, and say hi. You know, it has been, it's been quite the year for 20, uh, in, in 2020, not just in the world as it stands normally, but also in the world of Magic the Gathering. So we have a lot to talk about, I am sure. And, uh, I mean, 2021 is going to be a pretty spicy year. There's some stuff, especially for the Legacy crowd in the first few months, like Time Spiral Remastered, that I am very excited about. But hold that in for now. Hold that in for now. (laughs) We can go back and talk uh, uh, about 2020. But 
2021 has a lot of exciting stuff coming up too. Yeah, when I saw all the requests about about you, like, like oh, when's when's Gavin coming on? When's Gavin coming on? I had like the Arrested Development meme, like I've made a terrible mistake. We're like, oh no, like December is completely gone by. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't ask Gavin to come on yet. <laughs> Gavin's already on winter vacation. We yeah. completely missed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, he's on his way to the airport right now. He's in a taxi. He's skyping in for this for this last podcast, and he's going away for for uh, for vacation so we're just getting them if, in the if only oh my gosh this is the first year in nine years i think that i'm at home right now like normally this time of year i travel somewhere yeah. in the world like i take winter break as a as an opportunity to go out and go on a vacation but uh, this year not so much it's been you know staying in the same a thousand square feet for the past <laughs> nine months so um the good news is getting lots of cleaning done you know getting <laughs> stuff done around the house it's wonderful but uh yeah not quite the the gallivant that I am used to. So no airports, no taxis. I'm fortunately around and available for all of our great friends at Leaving a Legacy. Although if I was in Africa, I'd still Skype in, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's there you go. Different, different story. <laughs> awesome. Well, should we dive into it, Gavin? There was a, a bunch, even with the global pandemic, uh, you know, still plenty of stuff came out in 2020 to talk about. And also, I have to imagine, I mean, the way Wizards works, you guys probably had this entire, not the entire lineup, but a good chunk of it already set up, ready to go, you know, before all, you know, lockdown took place. And I guess let's just start there. You know, how did you guys adjust to this, you know, totally different year? Well, yeah, geez, it has been, it has been quite a year because, you know, right. Everything for this year was locked down and done by the time the year started. And then everything that we could do from there was more or less reactionary. And then, of course, there were various product delays because of manufacturing problems as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, places were shut down. And, you know, early on, I think we all had the same reaction that everyone did errantly, which was, yeah, you know, let us, it'll go a couple of months, then it'll be okay. And then, you know, everything will be back to normal. And, of course, that is unfortunately uh, not where we are. I'll just give my little plug here. Please wear a mask if you go outside. Stay at home if you can. This is all so important right now. Yep. We need, we need need to stop this thing. So please, 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 I, I am urging you for all of us so we can get back to magic events and hang out with our friends again safely. Please be safe now. Um, but uh, so right here we are in December, and uh, things still are very much not back to, to normal. And there, you know, there was a little bit of rejiggering schedules, but you know, it was only things like say delaying Commander Legends because we wanted to make sure we had the production time to create things. I mean, there wasn't really any huge moves. Um, so, and, you know, there was, of course, a lot of concern in March, April about how this was going to impact us for our year because, hey, our game has gathering in the name, and that is yeah. the thing that you can't do. Mm-hmm. And turns out Magic still did it incredibly well this year. And I know it's like, oh, Gavin, he's just the corporate guy coming on in, <laughs> saying something like this. But, no, I, I'm serious. I'm not just saying it to say it because it's the year 2020 and that's the year we're in currently. Like, this was literally an amazing year for us on at Magic. And um, so, you know, we we did have a couple of emergency levers crafted that, that we could have pulled if we absolutely needed to. But um, no, uh, we didn't have to do any of that and it turned out to be a great year and uh, set us up for uh, hopefully a pretty good 2021. So, uh, of course, lots of things about 2020 I would love to be different. Um, and a lot of sets that, you know, the, the thing to me that is mind blowing is if this is, you know, an amazing year for us at Wizards. How much better could it have been? People could have actually met up and played in person, right? So, I mean, it just goes to show um, the strength of a lot of the stuff that we released. And, of course, I know that there's a fair share of controversy along the way, and we'll get into that as we as we go through product by product, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, I, from our perspective, it was a, a, a pretty successful year. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's dive. Let's dive right into it with kind of like the four main block sets that came out this year. Uh, so the first one uh, that came out was Theros Beyond Death. And now we're like fully into Beyond Blocks. Like my brain still works in, in the way in like the block sets. But like we haven't actually done those in a while. Like Dominaria was the was the first non-block set, and that was you know two years ago at this point, which is crazy to me. Yeah, and to, and we got a bit of a pump fake there for a little while with Ravnica too, right? Because that was a set that wasn't. I mean, it's sort of a block, but not really right. a block, right? And it's like ah, yeah, you know. But then yeah, now we're we're very much out of that world and just on on hits over and over and over again yeah so uh, everything coming out this year was just single single sets which i, I kind of like uh beyond block you know there's less of this grand overarching story which is sometimes missed but it does really give you kind of like a fresh new look at stuff every time you come like every time i went into a game store this year and when they opened up briefly uh they you know there was always something new like that was completely different so uh, you know, Theros returning back to Theros was kind of like the first thing to come out in early January. Did you have much to do with that set? Yeah, well, you know, first it's on the block model thing. I think there's, there's definitely um, upsides and downsides. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's, uh, there are things that are certainly missed about the old block model. You don't have the evolving draft environment. You don't get to see the mechanics linger around for long enough. Yeah. And frankly, you know, one, one of the big things that we've heard about from players is like product fatigue and just like a lot of stuff happening very, very quickly. And I think secretly the not block model contributes to that. Because yeah. every three months you're not like, oh, it's building off the thing I already know. It's here's an entirely new thing with new mechanics and a new world. And it just makes it seem like it's moving faster than it actually is. True. So there are downsides to it. Yeah. But on the flip side, I mean, I think that the upsides have been incredible. And I really, really love what it's done for us. And I think we're going to stick with it because it lets us try things out that wouldn't be able to contain an entire block. And with Theros um, being a great example of this, we knew we wanted to go back to the underworld of Theros. We knew that was a thing we wanted to do at some point. We wanted to go and get Elspeth back. It's a great story. It's a plane players liked reasonably enough. It's not like players' favorite plane of all time, but like Theros was generally a plane people people liked. And um, but it it couldn't be three sets. Like there's not enough there, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to do three sets of the Theros underworld. We used most of the good tropes the first time around. Um, and so this is a great thing that the that the change let us do was do just one Theros set. And that could, we kind of tell the story we wanted to, to tell. And, you know, previously, Magic Story, our rule was basically every set could tell one sentence of story, and that's all you got because it was so hard to communicate anything across. Um, and now, the, you know, the whole, the whole set can um, be kind of this, this mood piece that also communicates the story through a number of other ways. For example, as we'll see later in the year, we brought uh, Web Fiction back, which has been awesome and is a great way yeah. to help. Um, I think we talked tell about, the story there. So talked about that last time you were on because you're on part way through the year, and I was just saying how much I love the uh, the web fiction because yeah, yeah, and, and and that's one of those things where at that time like I knew it was coming back and I couldn't say anything of course, <laughs> but uh, super happy, super happy about that. So with with Theros, uh, yes, yeah, so, you know we went back and we had our some old favorites, we had some new twists, um, and one of the big ones for us I think was bringing sagas back, um, and that was a huge test because we saw that players. Really like Sagas and Dominaria. Mm-hmm. And then we had a big question about, like, okay, how often is the right amount of time for Sagas? It was a huge discussion internally. We decided to bring them back for Theros. And now, um, you know, and now we're going to be touching on those even more in the future. Like, we've decided that we, we can do more of these. So um, the I'm really happy that we did it that there. Um, and that was a huge, huge push for us. 
The I think you know one thing with Theros is graveyard mechanics are always tricky to get right. They almost always get us somehow, and certainly I'm not going to pinch any words here. Uro <laughs> made some big errors on that one. Um, oh yes, I, I personally had no hand in that card, um, but yeah, the it's clearly way over the line. And who knows when the dust settles exactly how many formats this thing will get banned in. Um, but it is it's a very powerful magic card. Yeah. Um, the also I think the the current meme right now is uh you know it's spoiler season and there isn't any busted simic cards you know <laughs> wiz- wizards is as- acting kind of sus <laughs> just the uro on the back of uh, oko uh, I think people have had their full of uh you know busted simic cards lately <laughs> yeah I mean I'll definitely say we have heard that that truth and that meme which are the same thing loud and clear uh, we know that green blue are are strong we know that white needs help. And these are all things that we're working on. Um, there's, you know, stuff takes time. Like when I said that our proc lineup for this year was locked in when the year started, that's that's basically true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to take time to see some of this stuff show up. But throughout 2021, and especially as we get later into 2021, you'll start to see some of this unfold. And, uh, you know, look, I'm not on the play design team. I haven't deeply play tested the sets as much as they have. I can't guarantee you by any stretch of the imagination that it won't be like green, blue ruling the roost again. But it's certainly my hope that's not the case because <laughs> this, you know, that would continue to to uh, to be a, a rise in dominance of, of those two colors together. So let's uh, let's cycle back to torment. Let's make mono black control just the best deck in uh, every format. I would I appreciate. Do, that. I do love mono black. Oh control. man, <laughs> torment! I have I we have talked so many times <laughs> about trying something like that block structure out again. Yeah. Right. Um. And, you know, ultimately, at the time, it wasn't really a successful model. It definitely did not work well at the time. Um, and it was sort of a we did it because we could, not because we should hmm. style thing. <laughs> yep. But, you know, if done right, like, I think there is something interesting there. Um, we'll see. But we'll see. Uh, you know, just even even an imbalanced color set or imbalanced color year could be interesting to watch how that impacts standard. I honestly doubt it will ever happen. But, um, I mean, at the time, I thought it was very cool hmm. when yeah. Torment came out. Definitely. Also, I was uh, a a very fresh Magic player back in those days, so I probably did not recognize all the uh, the faults. I just saw the coolness, pure flavor, pure flavor, baby. <laughs> you know, when it comes to draft gimmicks, like there's a lot there that the player who's been playing for a very long time looks at, and it's like, oh, you see, it's really subtle because yeah, you have to know to draft black in the second pack, but if you draft white and green in the third pack, you're going to get hooked up, mm-hmm. right? And that, and like. I enjoy that. Or I enjoy how in Cons of Tarkir, you have the, the middle set being drafted with the two sets on the side. Mm. Like, that's a really neat, novel thing to do. Yeah. But ultimately, like, how much of a difference does that actually make? The, does that move the needle on making, uh, you know, an average player more excited about the set? Probably right. not. So, right. uh, you know, like, Dragons of Tarkir, Cons of Tarkir, sorry, Dragons of Tarkir, Cons of Tarkir, Fate Reforged was a nightmare truly a nightmare to get done properly getting that middle set to draft with the two other sets mm. and um i don't and at the end i don't know that it was worth it even if it was kind of cool yeah and i feel uh like you mentioned before like that was probably the biggest casualty of the the disappearance of the block sets but like you said it's it's this very nuanced aspect of the game that goes over the head of a lot of the player base and you know it's sad to see that go, but at the end of the day, you know, is it is it as key as some of this other stuff? You know, probably not. And it's like it's like half a casualty because sometimes yeah. people are like, "Yeah, full block, that was awesome. I want to draft full block." True. 
But there's a lot of, there's probably even more sets where players are like, actually, you just want to draft triple the first set. Don't bother with the later sets, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you look at, you look at a lot, a lot of the best draft sets of all time. It's like people want triple cons of Tarkir. They don't want, they don't want Fate right. Reforged. Right. Uh, they want tri- triple Innistrad. Yep. They don't want Dark yep. Ascension. Yep. Yep. There are some exceptions. Don't get me wrong. There are some blocks where like, I want to draft the whole thing. But in general, I think historically more triple first set have been favored than adding in, adding in. Can, the can I ask set. you just from like a design from a design stance, why do you think that is? Is it just like, is it just like having like the the right amount of, um, uh, what's the word? Like critical mass of like a certain like a certain s- subset of cards is what's important. That's why people like doing the triple set draft. My tinfoil hat theory is uh, the designers put all their good ideas in the first set. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> that is very tongue in cheek, Gavin. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, you're you're not entirely wrong. Um, I mean, we do hold stuff off for later sets when we were working on the three block mm-hmm. model um, or the three set model. But the challenge is, you know, we make sets sequentially, right? So we're, we're not making three sets at exactly the same time. I mean, yeah, they'll be in various points of development at the same time, but they're not all at the same stage at the same sure. time. And because of that, like, it's not going to be perfectly synced up. And the draft archetypes that are built into the first strategy or whatever might have to change or evolve or become different or, you know... like we're going to make the first draft environment to be the best environment we can with all that information. Mm -hmm. And then by the time the second set rolls around, they're going to try and make the best environment they can using their set plus the first set. And by the time the third set rolls around, they're going to try and make the best environment they can using the third set, the second set plus the first set. But at some point, wow, is it so much easier? And can you nail the mark so much more when you just have the first set of cards to figure out? Um, And, you know, you have a very self-contained experience where you have all the information to get the draft format right as opposed to um, as opposed to all three, mm. so um, yeah, it is. It, it, there's a lot of challenges, and as someone who's worked on a lot of small sets, it is very difficult to get them right, especially when you're trying to like make mechanics for your set while the first set is still changing. Mm-hmm. You're trying to move, you know hit a moving target, sure, yeah, and um, it, it's harder to hit like. Like, you know, favorite draft archetypes, if, if there's a draft archetype players love in the first set, the odds of getting it just become far less because you can't count on it showing up. Mm-hmm. You know, spider spawning is a great example. People love that in a straw draft archetype. You add in Dark Ascension, and suddenly there's just a pack fewer of the trademark stuff you can go find. Right. So so the, the, the critical mass just isn't there, right? Yeah, I think, I think it's like a mix of, like, the critical mass of what you're looking for, plus the sets aren't designed at exactly the same time together. So um, it's just it's really hard to make work. Hmm. There are blocks where where it does work. There's you know blocks people are like I love playing full block X Y Z. Uh, like a lot of people enjoyed full block and mirrored in. They enjoyed what Fifth Dawn added into it. Mm-hmm. Full block invasion to me is like a very holistic, cool experience where you have like all five colors there. You know, mm-hmm. um, you give the enemy colored stuff an apocalypse. Uh, I think or I thought I think Odyssey triple set is great where you have the torment judgment turn. There there are historically certainly examples of this, um, but on the whole, I think that that. Triple first set is generally people's favorite. Hmm. I'd be curious to know what the listeners though think though. Like, yeah. what do you think about this? Let me know, let us know in the comments. Yeah, <laughs> uh, triple onslaught will always have a dear place in my heart. I love onslaught so much. Yeah, I, I once you had in, okay. I don't know if I've been on the show a lot of times. I honestly can't remember what I've talked about in some of the episodes, <laughs> but you know the listeners probably don't either. Which is scourge is like I think one of the worst design sets of all time, just from like a design standpoint. Because, because it gave a storm. First of all, it's like, <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's got storm in it. But it's like, here's your theme, Jerry. Here's what your set is around. Storm 
and high converted mana cost cards. Those are your two set themes. <laughs> two things that do not work out yes, at all together. I, I distinctly remember being a, a newish player and like opening up a pack, and I forget what it's called, but it's like one blue for a or it, no, it's uh it's a one one with morph, and it costs like seven in a blue. And I'm just like, why? Why would they why would they do this? Like I don't like I've, I've always like why? And then my friend's like, because like it has a high converted mana cost and there are other cards. And I guess that was important because it taught me about like what synergy was and like setup cards. But I just remember like opening that pack and just being like Man, what were they smoking when they designed this card? <laughs> right. It's just like two two themes that are not compatible. Like play a lot of spells to cast a storm spell versus play play expensive stuff. You've got really weird morph cards. It's like, it's like they kind of ran out of the good morph ideas and started making stuff that like that. And then you have a card that I just really dislike in Zombie Cutthroat, which is a free unmorphing card. And to me, I, some people might might like it. I personally found the limited enjoyment less enjoyable when any face-down creature could be a zombie cutthroat and you always had to play around it every single time. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, for those out there who don't know, which I wouldn't expect you to know if you weren't playing back then, a zombie cutthroat is a 3-4 morph. You can turn face up by paying 5 life. And so it would just mean that like you could no longer safely trade with their creatures in combat. You couldn't like block their morph or whatever. If there was a zombie cutthroat, even if they had no mana untapped, you had to play around it. Right. And it was an incredibly powerful card. You first picked it in whatever color you were in, because really? any color could play it as a three mana, a three four. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was uh, to, to me. Anyway, I have a lot of beef about Scourge, and also like basically the set was zero to sixty. You had like the Storm cards, which were ridiculous, and then the set did like not give us much else. Um, mm. So, you know, I think it was Brian Tinsman who designed it. No offense to you, Brian. It was a different time of Magic. A lot of stuff was got made that was sketchy back then, but. Uh, yeah, Scourge, not one of my not one of my favorite designs. And then followed up with Legions, which was all creatures all the time, no spells. Oh, that, no, it was flipped. Scourge was oh, the last. Oh, yeah, you're set. right. Legions no, you're right. Yeah, set. sorry. <laughs> Legions was one of those things where it was like, I'm glad we ran the experiment, and now I'm glad we're not going to do it again. You know, like, <laughs> like could you make a set that was only creatures? Yes, you could. Should you make a set that's only creatures? <laughs> no, you shouldn't. No, <laughs> so... I don't know if you, uh, I remember it was my I started playing an invasion right so when these sets came out I was you know two years into playing and I was I was like thirteen years old or something and um, I remember for my birthday my mom got me a box of legions and I was like okay what I'll do for my birthday is I want to have all my friends over and we're gonna draft legions so we drafted triple legions and. It's it's just a, it's a format with nothing but creatures. Like it's a silly, <laughs> super silly format. Like, why would you do this? So, um, yeah, I do not recommend Triple Legion's draft either. <laughs> I thought I, I thought it was fine for for the full full block, but it's just like yeah. especially just if you're drafting legions, like there's no instance, and if they're like instance to me is a huge part of the game because it it's where like to me most of the interaction takes place and like outplaying right. your opponent. Like when it's just creatures, it's like everything's on the board. There's not really much that, you know, there's not really many surprises and get those key magic moments. Yeah, I mean, the trick that, you know, the reason why it was done for this block in particular is because Morph could play that role a little bit. Yep. But Morph is no instant, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, you still know there's something down there that you can use. So, yeah. Anyway, that, that, yeah, that's some old fogey magic for you. <laughs> We're talking about old draft formats here. And, you know, you know not, not to get ahead of ourselves, but w- with Time Spiral Remastered, one of the things, like, when I was pitching it to people, like, here's why we should do this. I'm like, I'm like, look, what if I was like, hey, Jerry, you know what's a great movie? Star Wars. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my gosh, sounds great. Like, you, I got to go see it. And you're like, 
Sorry, Jerry. You had to be there 30 years ago. <laughs> you weren't there. You couldn't see it in theaters, so you don't get you don't get to watch this movie. That's ridiculous, right? That's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Right. And so with remastered, my hope is well, with Times Square remastered, it'll like give people the sense of like, oh, I can I know what everyone's talking about now. Like I can be part of these conversations. Because yeah. if you're out there listening at home to hearing us talk about onslaught block draft and you've never played, you're like, I don't I don't know what this is. I don't I don't even have any context for this. Where with Time Spiral Remastered, like once that comes out, we can now talk about Time Spiral Draft. And yes, the sets are going to be different, right? It's going to be one combined set versus three sets. But like you will know the cards. You will be able to have the discussions. And um, it's my true hope that this set does well enough that we can do them at a much more consistent basis and get people both the reprints that they need, but also uh, make uh, let, let people who haven't, haven't been playing for as long have the context for these old draft experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really cool thing. And I would love to do like an Onslaught or Invasion Remastered someday. I think that would be totally awesome. Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the side, you know. Wizards coming out with some sort of product like a uh, like prepackaged Chaos Draft where it was just like a random booster box of just like different magic sets. And how, you know, the difficulties of Wizards actually producing that. But I feel like the remastered sets, if you can get a whole bunch of remastered sets, uh, you can kind of have that experience in a, in a way that... Right now, you can only achieve if you have a game store that has a really deep product supply going back, you know, decades at this point to get some of these really old sets. Right. Like, like on one hand, on, on one end of the spectrum, you've got Mystery Booster, which is like literally anything and everything could be in there and is truly chaos. Yep. And on the other end, you have buying up, tracking down and buying a box of Onslaught. But somewhere in the middle, there's interesting ground. And I think that's where the remastered series lives. And I don't want to say too much about it yet. <laughs> we'll get there when it's time to talk about um <laughs> You know, in a few months when it's time to finally talk about Times Square Remastered. But, uh, yeah, I am I am very excited for this. As a longtime player, I just love the idea of being able to talk about these draft formats again and, like, uh, bringing the new generation into understanding. Like, when we talk about these old formats, here's what we meant. We can all enjoy it together and talk about it together while also having stuff that the older player will enjoy. Because, you know, Jerry, you probably drafted Time Spire when it was out, and you're going to go draft this set, and it's going to be a little bit different, right? Those time-shifted cards are going to be different. You're going to be playing with... Chalice of the Void and Path to Exile or whatever in your deck sometimes. And uh, not every card is going to be there from mm-hmm. the original days. So Definitely. Anyway, I, we should save, save that for a few months. We, we'll have our show. We'll have we'll our Thomas Barber yes. Master yeah, show. Yeah, we need to. But you can just tell from the fact that I brought it up, I think, two or three times in this show how excited I am for that set. <laughs> so, so now, t- Time Spiral Remastered is meant, obviously meant to be a draft set, right? So I'm hoping that I've, I've drafted uh, probably a dozen times in my entire like lifetime of playing Magic. Uh, different sets, and I'm hoping that uh, I get hooked on on it because I need to learn how to draft, and I'm hoping I'm hoping Jerry and our friend Ian can teach me how to draft <laughs> a Time Star Remastered. Unlike me, who yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of my favorite blocks of all time, and I think the draft format turned out really well. Yeah. I'll admit that if you're not draft familiar, I'm not sure Time Spiral is the place <laughs> yes, to start. Learn. But we're uh, going we're going deep, know. Gavin. <laughs> Uh, can I also just say, with the time of year, my uh, my bank account has run very dry because I've just been pouring it all into the holiday cube. <laughs> just been drafting that nonstop. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, you know, uh, the holiday cube, of course, great, love it, great job on that Magic Online team. They did. A, uh, I'm always have to bring it back, but I don't know if you tried it, but I've actually been really happy with the Arena Cube too. I think that uh-huh. one's been uh, pretty well received on social media, and I, it's it's no, don't get me wrong, you're not casting moxes and cracking black load out <laughs> here, okay? But uh, they, I just think they did a good job on it. So if you haven't tried it uh, out, I'll have to give the arena cube a try i have not tried the arena cube i've been like yeah i mean i know, I know lsv talked about on twitter how he thought it was really really well, well built too like there's a lot of stuff about it that i think they did a good job on this time nice. so, uh, anyway 
back to magic sets. So we covered we covered Theros. We, we're uh, or I don't know. We're we're thirty minutes in. We've covered one magic set so far. So off to a strong start. Killing it. Uh, we, okay. Speaking of let's move on to Aquaria, maybe. Yeah. Up next is that next. I think this might be one of the most controversial topics we're going to talk about tonight, Gavin. Ikoria. I, although I guess technically, I will say technically, Mystery Booster is before Ikoria. Oh, okay. So we can do we can do Mystery all, Booster but, first. Let's do Mystery. But we did. I mean, we might have talked about it last year already when we talked covered about the convention edition of Mystery Booster. So I don't know how much there really is to say. Yeah. Um, but uh, other than it was great. People loved it. It's full of weird old cards. Weird old cards. Draft it. I don't know. Yeah. What to tell you? I mean, it's my baby, but I think we talked about this pretty extensively. Yeah, we did talk on the last before, episode. So. We talked about Mystery Boosters quite a bit and like the whole process of. Uh, uh, like still using the old frames and like finding the old digital files and getting the digital files to work. And so, yeah, if you people, if you haven't uh, heard that tune into our last episode with Gavin, uh, we'll probably, we'll post it in the show notes so you can listen to it. If you want some more info on uh, mystery boosters there. Yeah. It's, it's my, I mean, I'm obviously incredibly biased. You're not getting me wrong. <laughs> I am. I am the most biased person. We'll talk to you about this, but mystery booster might be my favorite thing that we released in this year. Yeah. Um, I I just find it so much fun to play. I could draft. I mean, I love Commander Legends, which we'll get to a little bit later too. That's also my baby. These sets were both things that I worked on a lot. But Mystery Booster, I could like if I had if I was stuck on a desert island with seven friends and an infinite supply of booster packs, <laughs> uh, this would probably be the set I would choose. So. Uh, to me, Mystery Booster is like Wizards' reaction to players asking for Wizards to come out with like an official cube in paper that they could buy. Because like that's something people ask for a lot. Like they want like the holiday cube in paper. Like give us like a gold bordered holiday cube that we can buy. And I feel the Mystery Boosters was kind of like the compromise that we got. And I think it it really hits a lot of those same notes in, in just the right way. Yeah, it stretches it stretches a, a lot of the same muscles while also like. Letting you read cards you've never seen in your life before. Yes. Uh, so. <laughs> well, all right. Anyway, we'll go into Aquaria. We'll get. Well, it's time to get. Let's get controversial. Let's talk about. Let's Aquaria. get controversial. So first of all, let's start with just the flavor of Aquaria, which I think everyone is just uh, affectionately called the Godzilla set. You know, when I picture Ikoria getting designed, I just picture like the, the that '70s show, like circular room, and you know, some designers like, "Hey guys, hear me out, Godzilla." Let's make some Godzilla cards. <laughs> yeah, early on, um, so you know, we make our like seven-year plan. Although it's not really seven years at this point, but anyway, we make our long-range plan, and we called this set in the roadmap Monster Island. That case, I sentence you to a lifetime of horror on Monster Island. Don't worry, it's just a name. What he meant is that Monster Island is actually a peninsula. That's what we called Aquaria. And we knew it was going to be like an ode to kaiju movies from the very beginning. Before we designed a single card, that was our goal with it. Um, we also figured out very early that we wanted to do keyword counters here. Um, that was something that we uh, like a unique piece of design technology we unlocked. And we thought that'd be cool for the monster set to allow you to like build your own monster um, with keyword counters. Um, and then we also knew we wanted a little bit of wedge just because we looked at the sets around it and we thought it would be a good time for a wedge set. Like it's, uh, it's a little bit of Ravnica rolling around. It's nice to have some wedge cards at the end of that, at that rotation to play with. Um, so that's, that's, that was where the genesis of it came from. You know, a lot of times we have like very top down resonant worlds of like we're going to do our Greek world or we're going to do a Norse world or what have you. This was very, I mean, it was, it had a little bit of flavor of the, you know, it's kaiju, but it was really bottom up. Like, hey, what do we need here? Seems like we have a lot of cerebral stuff. So like a big monster set sounds like the perfect time to, thing to create. And um, let's do some tricolor, some three color wedges. 
And that's kind of where the idea came from. And then it really, you know, got got um, taken to light and, and really leveled up by a creative team as they started to dig into it and build out the world and so on and so forth. Um, and they're the ones, they're, they were like, hey, what if, what if you could bond with your monsters? And then we, the design team was thinking about that. And then, of course, there was a mini team run with, um, with Dave Humphreys, and he pitched um, a mechanic of, like, if you met a certain condition, you could start with the card outside of the game that you could play. <laughs> and it was like, oh, we have bonding with your monsters. You have, like, your little monster friend that hangs out with you. And we have these conditions. Well, what if we did them in the same place? And that's kind of where Companion came from, which I'm sure is going to be the thing you want to talk about, right? I like how you guys go from, like, a godzilla theme set to just, like, a pokemon theme set. Theme <laughs> set. <laughs> you know, bonding. Yeah, well, you know, we, want, we wanted to have, like, monsters of all shapes and sizes. That was one of our creeds. So, yep. yes, there was Godzilla was here. And it turned out eventually, very late, God, literal Godzilla was here. Yep. Um, but also we wanted to have, like, the cute, adorable monsters, too. And uh, so... You know, when you think of your companions, you've got your, your cat, like Luris, and you've got Garuda, who's not exactly as furry and, and cute. So <laughs> True, true. So that's how companions came out. Now, I think everyone's just wondering, was there debate behind the scenes in Wizards of, like, is this a mechanic that we should do? Like, is this going to be game-breaking? Because, like, famously, Mark Rosewater came out with an article, I think, two or three years before... Ikoria came out where he he described a mechanic very similar to Companion and ultimately decided that it was just too broken, you know, for to be released. And then Ikoria then releases more or less that same mechanic. Yeah, uh, there was a here's the thing about Ikoria, which is every single one of Ikoria's mechanics had a lot of internal debate and discussion. Mutate keyword count not cycling i guess that one's easy but mutate keyword counters and um companion all had a ton of debate people on all sides of the discussion trying to figure out what, what to do and we learned a really important lesson from this um because you know i mean companion was play tested by play design a decent amount of, of course as we all know now uh we wouldn't do it the same way anymore <laughs> um there there were mistakes but the lesson that we learned is we can't overload our playtesting resources because we had three mechanics that were all very hotly debated, changing a lot, and very complex, trying to be played at the same time in the same set. Mutate, keyword counters, and companion. And there are people who thought there are some people who loved them all, some people who thought some of them should be pulled, some people who thought they should all be pulled. And play design at the same time is like trying to work with all these confines, like are these, to figure out if these mechanics are going to work or not. And I think one of the big failings of Aquaria is that we overloaded our playtesting group with too many things that were really complicated and different and debated and changing, that they were all trying to play at exactly the same time. And, you know, historically, when we do a new thing, like a very, very new thing, we almost always get it wrong, sometimes around the first time. You look at equipment, you get skull clamp in the first batch of equipment. You get locks on Warhammer at Uncommon, even for Limited. You get all that kind of stuff. You look at vehicles, you get Smuggler's Copter. And it's like, I, I wish I could say that we were always going to get things right uh, when we were doing things for the first time. Historically, that has just not been the case. Um, even some of the early Planeswalkers, I would say, that, that we missed on. And uh, so here, it's like, hey, let's take three mechanics, which we have never tried before in competitive play. We're going to do, like, text box smushing. We're going to do adding keyword counters to things permanently. Riding the Dilu house does not count dude out there who's asking that question <laughs> and we're gonna do you can place a carrot card from outside the game and i think as a result not all of them got put through all their paces appropriately and two of them 
ended up being totally fine, which is great. Like mutate, I think, and has ended up playing out great. Although it was confusing at first, I think people have ultimately like grown to understand and enjoy it. And it's doing some good stuff in standard and commander. Mm-hmm. Keyword counters ended up being. I would call it almost a non-issue. Like, there's a lot of debate about, about keyword counters, but ultimately, I think people have like been like, "Oh, yeah, these are cool. I totally understand them." And we had a lot of concerns about people understanding them. Maybe it's because they aren't playing with the set in paper. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, like th- that one's worked out pretty well. And then, of course, <laughs> companion misses. So, uh, you know, we. T- I love to be like, yeah, we hit two thirds of, of our of our uh, <laughs> of our marks, but you know, that's not exactly in Magic. Two thirds is not really an acceptable success rate. Um, because you miss when you miss as far as you as you do on companion, and I don't, you know, I think I don't fault any person in particular for this. Um, it's clear that we made a mistake with the mechanic, and we've learned a lot from it. I don't think we're trying anything like this anytime again. Um, there's a lot of things we would do differently if if we could hit it up again and do differently beyond just adding a cost to putting the card in your hand, but like in, in terms of how the actual mechanic works. Um, and I think, you know, in retrospect, it could have been, like, one card. You know, the one that everyone really, really likes, and I think still likes, is the Singleton one. I think there's a lot of fun around mm-hmm. around that card. Of like, is oh, you, you play Singleton deck. Is it the Lutri? Yeah, which I know that caused vintage problems, too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but, like, there's, there's stuff we, we could have done there, potentially. Um, making 10 cards, making 10 conditions that worked. We had to stretch so far on these to even find 10 conditions, and... Yeah, there's a, a litany of problems, and the overloaded play, play design team, um, I, I know, certainly had challenges trying to test all these things at the same time. So they, they put forward a great, valiant effort, but ultimately the cards ended up breaking a fundamental rule of magic, which should not have been broken. Mm. And, it, uh, I found the article, Jerry, that you were talking about. It's the Topical Blend article from 2015 that Mark Rosewater uh, uh, penned. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's from it's from uh, from his uh, from making magic, and it's just it's interesting because he goes through the first story that he goes through is one where like uh, they, he wanted to basically create like a companion mechanic where you started with one less card in hand but had access to this card, and um, it, it is interesting that like you know these lessons are something that like you you guys like push the boundaries a little bit and then have to re- rein it back in and push a little bit and rein it back in, but I think part of that is what makes the game exciting and dynamic is that you guys are always trying to. You know, see how far you can push uh, push the design of the game before something something goes boom. Well, and, and there's there's definitely a careful balance there too, right? You look at some years, like Almanket Ixalan year, and I don't think we were pushing enough. I'd say those sets were pretty safe, and generally, like they're pretty under. I mean, I was I worked on the teams for them. I'm not gonna, I don't want to speak ill of the, of the teams. We, we did we made the sets we were trying to make, but generally, I call them kind of underwhelming sets mm-hmm. for Magic as a whole. Right? I was like Ixalan, eh, it was okay. Like, was there any cards that are from it? Yeah, there's a few flip cards. It is neat, whatever, but not that much. Almond Cap Lock, yeah, it was okay. Mm-hmm. There's some cool stuff there, but there wasn't, like, anything that blew your socks off. The past year, 2019, <laughs> or, sorry, 2020 and the end of 2019, I would say we were pushing a little too hard, <laughs> right? You have Eldraine, you have you have Aquaria, you have Theros, where we were trying to push that envelope to make really exciting, like, like super exciting cards mm-hmm. that we knew players would be excited into, and we pushed probably too much, frankly. Mm-hmm. And now it's pulling that bounding box back, back a little further and saying, hey, we, we can push, but let's not push this hard. And, you know, look, I mean, I would love to sit here and tell you that, don't worry, in 2021, we nailed it. Yeah. Everybody says it's going to be the perfect power level. <laughs> but I know that's not realistic. Right. I, I know that, that that's not uh, unlikely to be, be true. But I can say that we took all these lessons and applied them to our upcoming products. And my hope is that 2021 will be much more in the band that players are, are, are hoping for in mm-hmm. general. And, and also, I, I do want to say, like, Aquaria is one of the most successful magic sets in history. So 
it still did really, really well. It still got a lot of positive buzz. Uh, despite the companion mechanic, there's a lot of people who love the set. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want that to overshadow everything, but definitely in terms of discussion, I'd say that did overshadow yeah. everything. It is funny too, like the lens, the lens that like, obviously we're a legacy podcast. So the lens of that we view, I mean, at least personally as a legacy player that I view a set is very, very much its impact on the format versus like, I do not know anything about standard. It could be the best standard set of all time or the worst. It literally, I would not, I wouldn't say I understand anything about it. So it is interesting. Like when I think about like 2019, 2020, it's been like, you know, obviously a tumultuous time in the legacy format for many reasons. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, so it's kind of funny how, um, uh, disconnected those two things can feel sometimes, you know, how, how a standard set treats legacy versus how it treats, you know, like obviously, you know, the, the reception of standard players and how Watsy feels it does. So that's pretty interesting. I think Watsy, um, I think it could have been a little bit faster, but I do think Watsy did handle the situation well because I feel the companion mechanic really shook a lot of people's, uh, I don't want to say faith, but just people's comfortability with, with magic because it really felt like the game was getting away from a lot of players because the companion mechanic just created this whole different feel to the game that it just felt like if this is what the game's going to be, like, I don't know if I, if I'm still going to enjoy this, uh, just with like, cause it, for a while there, it literally felt like if you weren't playing companions, you were not doing the right thing. Like it was play companions or go home. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's, that's not what we wanted to engender. It's not the kind of play we wanted to create. And it's certainly, you know, the goal of the mechanic just so we're very clear on this, was not to have it take over everything in all right. formats. That was <laughs> like not, you said, it was, design it was to have a friend. Mechanic. You were supposed to have a friend that played the game with you. <laughs> it was very much meant to be like, this is a mechanic that some decks will use and they'll stretch a little bit to do it and it's kind of cool. Um, and that's not what happened. Yep. Right? And we, we were we were wrong. We, we missed. And we try to correct it as quickly as we can. Yeah, and, and you um, took unprecedented steps to fix it too. Like, I can't remember the last time that... You know, uh, not just one card, but a whole series of cards were just like inherently changed to make the mechanic fit a little bit better. You know, yeah. I mean, we don't errata things, right? That's very that's a rule. Like, we don't we don't make mechanical changes to cards. But this is like the one exception in in the I don't know in fifteen years or something I can think of us doing this um, besides like creature types or something. And it was just like we took the action we needed to take um, and, and got rid of them. So yeah. There you go. And I think I think it's good. I mean, the the format has, you know, all the formats have kind of settled back into some normalcy. And I think they're at a good balance now where it's like every now and then a companion will show up like Luris still sees a little bit of play. Uh, and I'm blanking on the blue white uh, one. The Yorion. Yeah, Yorion yeah. probably sees the most play. And I think mm-hmm. that's like the level that they should see play where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, these are cool cards that you can do cool stuff with, but you don't feel like you're missing out by not playing them. And I think they are at a, a good, comfortable balance level now. So it took a little bit of time and everyone was saying the sky was falling, myself included, saying that the sky was falling in the heat of the things. But it, it does seem like it, it has been, you know, fixed and smoothed out. And, you know, going forward there, they, you know, they have their spot and it, it's good for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it impacted a lot of formats. And I, I, you know, people played a lot of games that were not necessarily super fun during that time. And I, I know I... I I'm sorry that uh, th- that is how the mechanic turned out. It was not definitely not our goal to hit that. I wasn't involved in the nitty gritty of the final part of the design. I can't speak to all the details there, but um, certainly it was not our intention to have that happen to every basically every format in Magic. So I'm glad we got that cleaned up a little bit. And uh, yeah, you will just to be very clear, 
you will not be seeing companions anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> going in with the storm bile. <laughs> or it, it's, it, it's not going to be like, oh, 2021, guys, we cracked the code. <laughs> Don't worry, we have to fix for companions. There's a companion uh, in no, every booster no, that, now. <laughs> that, is, that is not what we are, not what we are doing. Oh, man. So after Ikoria, going back to the tamer side, I feel, was uh, the core set, which... I can't really think of any big controversial stories or anything coming out of the core set. You know, it doesn't feel like there were any like broken cards or anything like that. I feel core core set was pretty, you know, pretty safe this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, core set's always a nice breath of fresh air middle of the year, right? You just get some cool reprints. There's a few cool new cards. Um, this this one was fun. Um, you know, next year we'll have a lot to talk about. I think when you see uh, the the D and D set come out. Yep. Um, around this yeah, time, the, but D and D sets replacing the core set, right? Right, it's coming out next year, and then that slot. So um, there'll be a lot to talk about then. Um, for this core set, I thought it was a good core set. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, uh, I don't think it like blew the hinges off of anything. But I thought the, I thought the draft format was pretty good mm-hmm. for a core set. I know that maybe Patrick doesn't doesn't uh, draft <laughs> as much, but uh, I, I thought the draft format was pretty good. Um, I, you know, it brought some cool staples in. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have, it was a core set, you know, it was, yeah. it, was, it was cool. I, I dig it. Definitely. Uh, and then up next, just in the interest of time, cause I, I do want to spend a bit more time on this. It was uh Zendikar rising going back to one of the most yeah. popular planes of all time. Yeah. Zendikar rising. Um, you know, it was only a matter of time to went back to Zendikar again. Yep. Right. Zendikar is very popular. Zendikar has been and continues to be one of our most successful worlds of all time. Uh, which I guess lands are, are popular is what we've learned here. Um, the big thing with Zendikar that I think from a design perspective to, to chat about are the modal double face cards. Yeah. Because that is such, like that is huge. Yes. Um, you know, there were people, there were people inside who thought this, this had the potential to ruin magic, right? This could be the, the a magic ruiner for us. Um, because like the mana system, you know, it, it, it's interesting what it gets quoted back at people, right? When, when things like companion don't work out, you will have people scouring old Rosewater articles ta- <laughs> right. where he, he will contradict himself. For five years ago, yeah. <laughs> For five years ago. With Mobile Double Face cards, a number of times Rosewater has talked about the sanctity of the mana system and like how we can't let cards double up as as lands. Like He's talked about that many times. I can't point to any articles directly, but I know in person he's talked about it before. I'm sure there's an article where he's talked about it too. But like ter- everyone, as it turns out, just loves Mobile Double Face cards, and it's totally fine. Um, and no one's digging up five-year-old articles trying to find them or whatever. I remember also going back to Innistrad when they first introduced double face cards for the first time. Everyone was like, this is ruining the game. It cheapens the game. Like, like you need your magic back. If you don't have the magic back, it's not a real magic card. And now it definitely feels with the with the, the flip cards and now the modal cards. It does feel like, uh, you know, design is a bit more comfortable you know exploring this design space which if you think about should double your design space right you now have two sides of the two sides <laughs> of the card to work with it certainly doubles the amount of words you can put on it <laughs> true so that's that's something <laughs> uh i mean the, the big thing for us with these ones in particular is the ability to play it as a land or play it as a spell because that's something like double face cards everyone's on board with those at this point yep. modal double face cards actually are on board with like it's basically just split cards yep. you know but it's the it's the ability to play something as a land or as a spell that caused a lot of consternation. Because, like, you know, there's a lot of risk that it really harms the mana system that is so integral to magic if you can play a lot of your lands as spells. Like, will people stop playing a lot of lands in their decks? And certainly we saw people trying to play, you know, their eight normal land, 20 
Spellland decks or what have you. But ultimately, I think it turned out really well. And like, there are some decks that play a few, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some decks that play a lot, but no one's playing like, except for like Oops All Lands or something. Well, that's the thing is like. It, it actually made that deck more competitive. Like that deck was always like a fringe joke deck. And now that deck has become like, oh, you can actually, you know, do reasonably well in some tournaments with this deck now. So like it was nice that it gave a boost to a deck that needed a boost compared to like if it had made like Rug Delver even better. People are like that deck doesn't need any help. <laughs> but the fact that you're giving help right. to a, a more fringe deck, it, it's nice that you kind of bring that into the limelight a little bit more. Are the I imagine they're not you know I actually I don't know I, I think the answer is no though because I looked at some deck lists a few weeks ago the um the dual lands aren't seeing any play in legacy are they no they're not quite good enough they need to just if they had land types they would have if they had land types not, I, not they would is. definitely be seeing play that like being we we we, we actually we talked about the land types on them but there was this huge confusion around what does it mean for fetch lands that's the big thing like if it, right if you fetch if you fetch one, which side could you bring it in as is like a really weird question. Oh, yeah. Um, so just like rules wise, it did some weird stuff. So yeah, it didn't ultimately, uh, didn't ultimately really happen. Yeah. Um, it's close though. I don't, I don't know exactly how close that was. Uh, but anyway, yeah, there are lands that I looked at. And I'm like, ah, these will probably not hit legacy. There's too many good lands, but if one showed up here or there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't think they'd make it. I was curious though. Yeah, they're they're very close. Like I think mm. when people it got spoiled, it gave. We people... talked about it when they got spoiled. I remember oh yeah, we did up. because yeah. like it's like this is the closest they've come to like printing a functional dual land in mm-hmm. a long time, and mm-hmm. people were were very excited. Not just because of the lands themselves, but just that the inkling. It's like Wizards is getting closer. <laughs> they're inching a little <laughs> bit closer to that line. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, uh, you know, on the whole, I think Zendikar was you know uh a, a pretty pretty cool set the moto the double face cards are the things that definitely stick out to me um party i mean this is not really a legacy thing but i wish we had pushed party maybe a little bit more it seemed like that didn't ultimately end up showing up as much as we were hoping it was going to um you know omnath is a card that we would have done differently in retrospect uh but yeah on the whole like zendikar is going to zendikar you've got like the new thing which is moto double face cards and party You've got the returning mechanic of landfall. You've got a bunch of sweet lands. You've got, of course, those box toppers, which give you a lot of sweet old lands yeah. for le- uh, those legacy players out there. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy. I, I'm overall happy with this. Set. I think this this set's box toppers were probably the best box toppers of any set, as far as like quality of the cards that were in there, because you had like the fetch lands and wasteland and ancient tomb and just so many, so many good uh, cards in those. And speaking of that, I also just want to talk about we we kind of skipped over it a little bit, but also with Ikoria and the Godzilla branding and then the uh, collector's booster box. It feels like Magic is is broadening the uh, you know product offering where we're getting a lot more like special edition cards. It feels like. Do you have a? Yeah, I, I can very much talk to that. So, um, you know. When Magic started out years ago, in the very beginning, you had a lot of players who were deep collectors, right? They would be like, I want to go find all the mythics from this, or I guess it wasn't mythics at that time. I want to go find all the rares. I want to go like find all the Magic cards, whatever. Um, and over time, like other games started doing really cool stuff with their foils and or really cool unique treatments. And Magic basically stayed the same. We had foils and non-foils and the occasional promo card, but that was about it. And the collector kind of felt like as a player psychographic, just kind of fell off a little bit. And what we're trying to do here 
is realize, you know what? People love holding gorgeous magic cards in their hands. There's a lot of collectors out there who love collecting gorgeous magic cards. Let's let people play with these cards in their deck. It doesn't just have to be foil and non-foil all the time, right? And so that's where you see the collector boosters come from, doing things like giving players access to uh, borderless cards, special frames like we saw in Eldraine and every set, um, therefore, the, the showcase frames. Yep. Um, and just giving people, like, unique, cool-looking magic cards. And honestly... When I open one of these up, I'm often just excited. Like I like, oh, cool. It's just like a, a neat-looking version of a card you can try and collect. And there's no gameplay relevance to them, right? Like, if you don't own the awesome version of Lotus Cobra, you can play with your old Lotus Cobra just fine. Yep. Um, but it's like a nice little way to level up your deck and make it look even cooler. And to me, this is the kind of thing that's just upside. Um, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There are costs that you pay along with it. Like, I know that, for example... Um, there's a lot of people who are like, dude, you made like eight versions of the same card. How am I going to collect all these things? And that is something that we're, we are very keen to. And I don't want to make it like an impossible task for collectors, but making alternate cool versions of cards, especially the alternate frames, like the Eldraine special frame, Mm -hmm. I think was awesome. I love the comic book style in Aquaria. I thought those were super cool. Um, like uh, stuff like that. We're going to keep trying out and doing and, uh, and find places to apply it to. Um, and I don't work on, you know, one thing you'll notice as a listener that we're not going to get to in this show is Secret Lair. I, I work on Secret Lair literally zero. The extent of me working on Secret Lair is sometimes I'll be asked a question about what I think about a card in one, and sometimes I'll see a schedule for one. So really, I when it comes to Secret Lairs, like I don't do anything on those. But I know that's also a place where people are looking to push different art styles. Mm-hmm. And um, we saw the the concert posters one recently, right, which is like very yeah, out the there. Yeah, the metal ones. Um, in terms of... The metal one, right? Which is very different. I like the ta- the tattoo um, one done by the tattoo artist. That was another good the, one. The, the tattoo one, good. right? And I think, you know, we're going to keep experimenting with stuff and we're going to see what works and what doesn't. And the stuff that works and does well, we're going to do more of. And the stuff that doesn't work great, we're not going to do more <laughs> right. of. Right. Um, and it's as simple as that. And just to, just to touch on, on the cartridge a little bit, I feel with Ikoria and the Godzilla the Godzilla set. That was something that people really liked. And like there, there's definitely people who didn't like it and they're like, yeah, it's fine. It doesn't, it's not a big deal to me. And then we got the secret layer walking dead, which I feel after companions was probably the next biggest controversy in magic of 2020. Like that, that was really polarizing for a lot of people. A lot of people were really upset. And it's just so funny how, how similar, the Godzilla set was to the walking dead as far as like what it was, but just the buttons that the Godzilla set didn't push that the walking dead set did push. And just like what a razor's edge you guys have to walk <laughs> that, you know, it, it's, 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 it's interesting. Just the psychology of how it plays out. Right. And, you know, and Rick is seeing some of the legacy play. It wasn't intended as a legacy card, but it, 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 it <laughs> don't remind me. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, I just addressed the elephant in the room for everyone who wants me to talk about the secret layer walking dead. A big, like I said, I mentioned a moment ago, I don't work on secret layer projects. Yep. And a, a, a big thing for me is I'm happy to be someone who talks a lot about magic and talks with all of you about magic and, you know, talks about things that I know. But one thing I am, I do try to be careful of is to not talk about things I don't know yep. because the only thing I can do is either spread misinformation or give you an answer that you're not going to mm, like because yep. it's not mm-hmm. anything useful. So with Secret Lair Walking Dead, I'm not, not going to touch it in this show. <laughs> and not because, like, there's some dictum of, like, Gavin, you can't talk about this. Just seriously because I don't know it well enough to be able to tell you the decisions behind it. And, look, I know there's a huge community outcry around it. I, I've read all your stuff, so thanks to you for sending me that feedback. I've sent the feedback up, up higher. Um, but when it comes to the design and release, release of that product, 
Um, I, I can't, I can't speak to it much. And I, I do know that it was very successful for us. And, um, uh, Mark Hagan talked about that in a recent episode of daily, uh, of a weekly MTG. So, um, him and his team are, are working on that and chewing through all the results of that. And, uh, yeah, when it comes to secret layers, I really, I really don't do anything on that end of things. So it's not just, uh, it's not just me trying to escape the, the discussion. It's truly like, I, I just can't speak. To <laughs> and it. I just wanted to bring that up because um, that just cut our questions of the episodes list in half. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all that said, I, I will say, you know, if you continue to have feedback on it, please send it to me and I'll continue to pass it upwards. I'm more than happy to keep doing that. I just, I something that work on myself. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Glad we addressed the, uh, the elephant in the room there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it is really interesting to see how magic has come all these years. Cause I remember like before the closest we had to this was like fallen empires having four different hymn to Torak arts. And I guess people didn't like that cause wizards stopped doing alternate art stuff for, for its cards. And now we have like entire booster boxes of alternate art. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the, it was also, it was a little different. Like back then, well, first of all, it was a very different time. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Say that first of all, it's very hard to find your information, but it was like pretty uh, unhelpful. Cause you're like, Hey, here's the deal. There's going to be four different pieces of artwork for the same card. There's going to be the one that everyone loves and three that no one likes. <laughs> We're spending four times the amount of money on every single card that we make for not really any clear gain. Why are we doing this again? Right. And now it's like, Hey, there's two pieces of artwork. There's the normal piece. And then there is like the special showcase piece, right? And why does this one look different? Because it has a special frame and does all this different stuff. And it's part of this, this aesthetic style. And to me, that is like a pretty substantial difference. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and man, the showcase stuff for next year, there is some pretty cool looking stuff. So, um, yeah, you have to stay tuned. They, and, of course, the, the old card frame in Time Spot Remastered. Yes. Which, uh, makes me be very happy. Yeah. And they, the showcase cards do look gorgeous because, like, I picked up a couple showcase booster packs and I, like, I always open them like, oh, this is amazing. Like, this looks, this looks amazing. This looks so good. And then I, like, oh, this must be, like, a super expensive card. I'm like, nope, just a regular common. But it still looks super awesome. <laughs> and, like, like clearly could just be, like, in the, the centerpiece of someone's collection. Uh, I, it, it did really kind of take me back to uh, feeling like a little kid again opening magic cards and, you know, not really having as much idea of... Uh, you know, monetary value and more just appreciating the card for what it was, which is, you know, definitely a nice refreshing change of pace. I think that there really is a testament to these things just as gorgeous objects. Like the, these frames are things like a normal magic card. I would not send a picture to my mom. I would not be like, mom, check out the sweet mythic rare. You got to take a look at it. <laughs> There've been a few frames uh, in, of the recent cards. Where I'm like, mom, I know you're not going to know what this does, but just look at how cool this card is. And I can send it over and she's like, wow, that looks really awesome. Yep. And to me, that is that is really cool. And the fact that someone who is newer or just loves the aesthetics of the game or even doesn't even play magic can see a magic card and get excited about it and like both get excited about magic as it exists and maybe intrigued to come try it out. That's really powerful to me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and once again, I think I think I mean, you know, I can't once again, I'm not gonna speak to The Walking Dead. I don't much to say there. But when it comes to non mechanically unique cards, I think it's mostly just all upside, right? So you're going to get awesome, cool looking versions of cards you, you can play with. You don't have to play with them. You can play with them if you want to play with them. And as long as we don't like dryad arbor ourselves, uh, I think we're going to be in, in pretty good shape. So definitely. Uh, now, because we are getting a little bit long in the tooth here, I do want to get to your your baby. Uh, I think the last product we talked about this year was uh, Commander Legends. Uh, so you, you said you had a fair amount to do with, uh, with designing, uh, commander legends. Yeah. I mean, this, this is, this is, this is the thing. This is the Gavin baby right here. I mean, mystery boosters was like the, what was 
I've made a lot of babies, I guess. Is what I'm, I've made children. <laughs> Gavin is here. a prolific um, man. <laughs> but, uh, but this is this one had a longer incubation period than normal. You know, I started working on Commander Legends uh, almost six years ago. Wow. And um, it is a long journey from uh, from concept to release. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of getting into shape and then I handed off to Jules Robbins to do the final design of the, end of the product and he did a great job on it. And it's been really successful. Um, people seem to really love the set, which is great. I would love to do a second one. You know, we've gotten a lot of feedback, um, mostly positive, but also some notes about certain things that could be differently. I know, of course, for Legacy, the big topic to discuss is Opposition Agent and Hull Breacher are probably the, the two the two hot ones, which um, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you want to slice it, um, those cards were added into the set after I handed <laughs> it off, so I can't speak to the exact design on them. Um, but uh, I do know that those are really impacting the legacy format. And I think that if we were to do a Commander Legends 2, we would really try and be careful to not create cards that ha- impact legacy at that level. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know, actually. I, I Honestly, I haven't looked in the past few weeks about how they're shaping out in the format. Can you give me an update on those two uh, I, cards? I feel they're, they're fairly healthy. I mean, they're definitely very good, and I think there's always going to be some amount of people who complain about the new good card because it's the in-vogue thing to complain about, but I wouldn't put them at, like, broken levels the same way I would, like, Uro or Oko. Like, I would much rather be playing against a Hull Breacher than an Oko or a... <laughs> Would you would you say it is above or below the true name nemesis? Line? I would say it's below the true name nemesis line, even though they're seeing play now and true name nemesis isn't just because of the way the legacy meta has evolved. But as far as like as far as the power level of a new card being introduced to the format, like I think true name nemesis when it first came out was probably an issue for legacy and it was just barely below the line of being ban worthy. And I don't think whole breacher is anywhere close to being ban worthy. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that is what I think about. You know, when I think about Commander products and Legacy, the first thing that comes to mind is True Name Nemesis. Because, right. you know, I'm sure you could speak to this better than I can. Just when, when designers design cards for Commander, they're not necessarily thinking about Legacy. And that is the space where you can get just some really busted cards where True Name Nemesis, not actually that great in Commander because you have three other oppo- or two other opponents but in one-on-one legacy, Trinity Nemesis becomes like a mini progenitus that's unkillable. Yeah, well, I, I guess first of all, I do want to say, just to be very clear, the line in my head is not if it's below Trinity Nemesis, it's okay to print. If it's above Trinity Nemesis, <laughs> it's not okay to print. Just, just so we're clear about yeah. that. I was just curious in like terms of legacy impact, uh, what, where it fell. I mean, when it, I think having some amount of cards released in Commander products that you occasionally look at for legacy is good. Yes, like I, th- I think there's some stuff that's good that comes out of that. I think having cards that are slam dunk plays in Legacy is probably not good. Um, like I, I like it when it raises your eyebrows. It's like, oh, maybe I'll try this out, but not so much when it's like, okay, I'm obviously going to play this. Mm-hmm. I think Hall Breach and Opposition Agent probably ended up a little bit too much in the, okay, we're obviously going to play this well, th- space. The thing is, Opposition Agent isn't even really seeing that much play, and that was the card everyone was like, yeah, this is going to see play. This is going to be really great, and then it turns out Hull Breacher... Uh, even more was you know far and away the the best one. Like Paul Breacher is definitely lazy playable, seeing a bunch of play. Opposition opposition agent just hasn't really found the right home yet. It doesn't fit into as many shells as uh, Hole Breacher does. You know, black versus blue is probably a, a big part in that as well. Yeah, I was going to say shocker. The blue one sees more. <laughs> right, right. Never right. see that one. Never see that one coming. Um, but even like people are people are more excited also about like Court of Cunning, like which I still like don't see it. It's people are experimenting with it and they're saying it's like 
like the next best thing. But uh, even Court of Cunning is seeing more play than Opposition Agent. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Monarch is very interesting to have around yeah. for Legacy. Because, I mean, Palace Jailer was a card that saw some some play for sure. And now you get it in a lot of different colors with a lot of different cards. I'll admit, Court of Cunning, I'm very surprised to hear is, is the is the one that people are talking it's, about. It's because it, sure. it plays so well with Uro. That's why. It uh, it uh, it fuels the Uro uh, uh, buyback. Weird. I didn't know that card was good. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really... My favorite court is Court of Grace. I, I when I drafted it, I, I was lucky enough to get a Court of Grace in my uh, draft, and I slammed that and proceeded to win like every single game with Court of Grace. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, this card seems pretty good, and I can also throw some moats because it makes four four angels, and then I'll also use some <laughs> replenishes, and I'll just dump them in my graveyard, and then I'll replenish moat and Court of Grace yeah. into play and win the game. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Uh, it's not too bad. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, th- those two cards, we do have play design review cards and think about them for Legacy. I mean, I do know that with Hull Breacher and Opposition Agent, I-, I-, I know Jules had Legacy in mind when he was talking about those cards and thinking about making them. And he thought it might be cool if they were a shot in Legacy. Like, oh, it's cool if someone thinks about. And they probably, like I said, ended up just a little bit beyond a shot and more into like, hey, this is this could be quite good. Yep. Um, although Opposition Agent isn't going to play it, so maybe not. Um, but all, all, those are the two big things in it for Legacy, I think. Um, on the whole, like, I'm very proud of the set. Yeah. It's done beyond what anyone else expected it for me to do. Of course, I had extremely high hopes for the set. Um, and, uh, like, the, there's a lot of sweet... I think for the cool thing for us to talk about, um, on top of, uh, top of the, maybe the couple individual cards, though, is, like, all the great flavor hits. Like, for the people who've been playing for as long as we have, yep. Jerry and Pat, like... So seeing some of those characters is just so cool to me. Like seeing I lost it when I Belby saw, show up. When or... I saw Crack. Crack's thumb has always oh, yeah. been one of my favorite magic cards. And then when I saw actual Crack, I'm like, yes, yes, he's here. He's finally here. <laughs> yeah, t- to me, like that is it's so satisfying. Be like, hey, here's Crack, who you saw on a thumb. Here is Gore Muldrak. Remember him from the two Salamander cards in Corsa? Right. It's like th- th- there's any- anything and everything from like the pl- characters you really know to characters that you have seen in Tiny Flavor Text. Like to me, that is really awesome. And I love all those throwbacks. Even like Kangi, a character we saw on an invasion card showing up here, like makes me smile a lot. Um, and on the whole, like the set plays really well. Um, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback and a bunch of notes if we were to do another one about things we should tweak. But I, I'm just I'm really stoked with how the set turned out. The reaction was, you know, what I what I could have hoped for. Basically, pandemic aside, like it is a, definitely a bummer that we release a set designed to be drafted during a time where players can't really yeah. go out and draft. Um, big shout out to the Magic Online team for um, getting it on Magic Online. At least I, I was gonna, s- and you know, but ultimately, like we really couldn't delay the set to next year, and and who knows when it's even going to be able, okay to do right? right. It's like, would you want us to delay the set to? October 2021 like at some point we just have to fire it and um, I'm hopeful that once people can meet up in person again drafts will still happen and the fact that once again the set did so extremely well when you couldn't even do the main <laughs> gameplay mode it was intended for right. is uh, is really powerful to me so um, re- really happy with this I was going to say also with the, the, the drafting and gameplay experience is this the first time that that sort of gameplay is, has been tried out because I was surprised I didn't really do my homework and research the set at all when I just drafted I just 
entered a draft queue on Magic Online, and I like I drafted this really low to the ground aggro blue red deck that was like I'm just gonna like this set seems kind of slow, so I'm just gonna get under my opponent's guns and and just burn them out. And then they're like, okay, here's your pot of four. I'm like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> pot of four. Well, if you were, if you were blue red pirates, at least the good news is that uh, blue red pirates is pretty pretty good. Uh, so hopefully you did. All uh, right. I ended up winning all three games mostly because I think I was. <laughs> I was a <laughs> well. I don't know. Draft this deck might not be very good. I don't no, know. What like to do it, with this. there's, there's oh, I also no won all my there's matches. no reason. There's no reason I should have won all three of my games. The re- way I won all three of my games is I was the spiky legacy player with some casual EDH players, and I just sat in the corner like all I have is some small blue red one ones. I don't really have much of a threat. And then the other three players just beat themselves up, and then I just swung in for the win. So, <laughs> so while I won all three games, I got commander. very few votes for that's actually. That, the, I wanted to ask the about voting that, mechanic. Yeah, the voting yeah. mechanic needs to go. I won all three games, and yet I got no votes, so I got like no prize support. I was very upset. Yeah, can you? I, was that? Was that? Did you have any influence on that, Gavin? Because I, I thought that was interesting. That like the prizes for those pods were deter like a, a good portion. It was a popularity were votes, contest, right? and I am not popular in my pods. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I uh, I did not okay. work on that, but I will make sure. Actually, that's a really good point of feedback, and I'll make sure the magic online too, because I'm sure it will be the last time. Jerry is not the only legacy player I've heard who was like <laughs> shocked when like they won their pod and then got nothing, like got very little. Like I don't even think they got their entry back in prizes. <laughs> Yeah, like I went, I went three and zero, and I think I broke even. Yeah, I'm like are you kidding me? I three out, and like each match is like two and a half hours long because yeah. it's a commander match. So I'm like, I sunk like, I, <laughs> I sunk like nine hours of my life into this, and I got a hundred Jer- prize. Jerry points. worked a full day with a little bit of overtime. <laughs> But you got the I got to play Magic. Yeah, super fun. Uh, yeah that, that's actually a really good point of feedback. I'll bring that up to the team. Thank you for delivering that. That's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, that's really good, good, good to know. Um, think, uh, yeah, I mean, this was the, the as far as the draft games. format, this was the... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're not the only one. Uh, as far as the draft format goes, yeah, I mean, my original vision was Commander meets Draft. So this is the first time we've ever done anything like that. Um, it took a lot of finessing to get there. And I know going into it, there were a lot of people who were like, I don't know, I don't know about how this sounds, but I've also heard from so many people who who have said now that they've played it, they're like, I'm a total hmm. believer, right? I played it and it totally works. Um, if we did it again, there might, might be a few tweaks we would consider. Uh, I could see potentially tweaking a few things. Um, I know some people felt like the life totals were too high. Um, there are some people who felt like um, uh, who disliked the singleton part of it or the not singleton part of it. There's some challenges challenges with changing both of those, but I think we could, at the very least, choose the cards in the set more adeptly to avoid that. Like, for example, when we were playtesting internally, the life totals were often not an issue. Um, I mean, the games took a while, but, like, you know, it's Commander. Uh, it's going to happen. But what I noticed, especially from watching Magic Online games, is when it comes to limited game states, Commander players are not used to playing limited as much and don't know how to cut through a complicated board state of creatures as well as uh, a normal limited player would, which is no fault of them. It just doesn't doesn't come up in their format, you know? Um, And so making sure that there are more ways to end games, I think, would be a very important part of any kind of sequel to Commander Legends we would do. Um, But anyway, on the whole, like, yes, there's stuff that we learned out of it. There's stuff we would do again. I I don't think we... You know, I've also heard a lot of feedback from commander players about like the kind of cards they want to see, which I won't get into here. You know, jeweled lotus is a is a whole different <laughs> discussion. Um, but uh, there's a lot of feedback on things we could do differently for the, for another one. But on the whole, I'd say that it was 
overall very positive, overall received very well, and overall a gigantic success. Yeah. So um, I, did, I did really enjoy yeah. it. It, it was a lot of it. fun. And you know, one thing I think is worth addressing here too is because someone will bring it up in the comments if I don't. I know we just ran through the product slate for 2021, and I think for many players, 2021 or sorry, not what year is it? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> we just ran through the product slate for 2020. I think for many players out there. They'll look at 2020 and be like, 2020 might have been a rough year for Magic. Like, there's a lot of stuff that that was rocky. We banned a bunch of cards. There were things like Companion that happened um, and so on. And I respect it and I hear that and I understand that from everyone. We don't want that to happen again. Also, as I was going through these sets, you'll notice that I kept saying, yeah, the set did really well. It was really successful. People really liked it. And you'll you'll definitely – I see comments now that are like, I don't get it. Like, why is Wizards just closing their eyes and plugging their ears and saying everything was great when it wasn't? Um – and I think that that's, that's worth talking about a little bit because I, I, as men of the people, as men of the community, I very much hear all of your concerns and I, and I share them with people and we have made a lot of tweaks to upcoming sets based on them. Like literally white is a huge one. Like I have gone in and changed cards in upcoming sets because of players feedback on white and blue and green, like on those three colors. I was like, green, blue is too strong. White is, white is too weak. And I've like gone and been like, Hey, we should look at the set again and change some cards. Um, so like we're actually making tweaks to things. Um, and I know that there's certainly a lot of concerns about all kinds of the things that we've done. I also do want to stress this year was really successful for magic. I'm not just saying that cause I'm like workout wizards. This was an amazing, amazing year for us. And I know it can seem a little discordant that like, why is wizards saying this year was so good when some things I really cared about weren't as awesome. And it's, you know, about looking at everything as a big picture. And I think we can keep doing the things that were really good for the audience who liked them and made these sets so, so successful and keep pushing on those things while also simultaneously trying to fix the things that caused people strife this year. It's not a zero-sum game. It's not like, oh, we're, we're making this invisible group of players who plays at the kitchen table really happy, and we to do that, we have to make everyone else unhappy. I don't mm-hmm. think that's true. Um, I, and I'm not, I, I, just to be clear, that was a weird way of saying that sentence. I'm not saying we made everyone else unhappy. That's like a, yeah. a weird thing. I, I, that's not true. Um, but there's, there's some things that we could have done better, absolutely. Um, and uh, I think we can work on improving those things for the next year while also keeping the secret sauce that made the game mm-hmm. so successful. So if there are things that happened this year that did not go the way that you would hope for them to or mechanics that, that you know caused the, you to shake your faith in magic, like Companion, which I think is totally reasonable. I, look, even though I, I didn't have any personal responsibility for Companion, like I'm, I'm still sorry that, that that's how things played out ultimately. And I'm hopeful we can avoid things like that in 2021 while also um, keeping doing the things that made magic do great and hopefully, we can also all meet up in person to play by the end of 2021, which will certainly make me feel yeah. a lot better about the game in general, too. Yeah. So um, I know it's been, I know 2020 has been, been a rough year on a lot of axes. I want to know that I hear you. I very much hear all your feedback. I check Twitter and Reddit more than any other <laughs> websites or, or apps on my phone. Uh, you don't want to see my, like, phone's log log time. But someone <laughs> someone posted a Twitter meme recently about, like, hey, did you know you can check how many hours a day you're on your, on your phone and what apps you did? And I looked at it. And it was a very bad <laughs> idea. Um <laughs> But anyway, I spent a lot of time on there. I hear everything. I relay it up. I try to make tweaks to things. And um, I just want to say, like, when you're saying these things, they're not falling on deaf ears. I, I really am listening to yeah. you. And I don't control everything in Magic, but um, I try and make changes in the places where I can. You, you only control. So thank you again for all your feedback. Thank you for everything this year. And I hope that in 2021, we'll continue to have an amazing year with a bunch of amazing sets. And a lot of the concerns players I've noted will not be... Um, be as much of an issue so i think i think that's huge just like knowing wizards is listening because i think that's the root of people's fears was 
hey, all these things are, you know, bad for me and my friends, but Wizards is still being very successful. I'm afraid that Wizards is going to conflate being bad for me and my friends is conflated with us being with Wizards being successful and they would buy into that. And I think you're right, uh, Gavin, that it is just huge where Wizards can still be successful while still, uh, you know, making everyone happy or as close to everyone as is humanly possible. Yeah, I mean, it's ultimately we're never going to make everybody happy. That's just a losing proposition. It'll never happen in anything in life. It's not going to be the true in magic. It's not going to be true in in, in, in any other for, for like when you're serving uh, an audience of you know millions of players, you're never going to be able to make everybody happy. Right. And I respect that and understand that. Um, but I think there's a lot of things we can do with feedback that players have given us this year to make upcoming years even make more people happier. Where by keeping doing the same things that we were doing, and then also continuing to um, to uh, evolve the things that players are asking for. Um, and on the whole, like once again, Magic did great this year. There's a lot to be happy about, um, and there's just some, some things we can do to change uh, change things for, for that's upcoming in the future. I honestly, you know, we'll see where we're at. When we, I come back for the episode at the end of 2021. Who knows what I'll be saying then? But uh, I, I really hope that uh, next year there's a lot to, for that you all find to love about Magic. So, and you know, for Legacy in particular, I, trust me, I've heard from uh, so many of you about how much from it has has changed in the past year. In the past two years, and how much it is the new sets have impacted it. I've definitely heard that you don't want that to be the case for every set. Um, you know, you appreciate some stuff every now and then, but not a constant barrage of your format being upturned by new sets all the time. Um, and I'm not on the play design team, but I do know that they have heard that that feedback also. So um, once again, no guarantees about what's going to happen. We don't. There's lots of stuff that happens that we don't intend for it to. Um, but hopefully next year you will not see as much of the apple cart turning over on Legacy. Um, I actually I feel we're starting to already see that because at least for Commander Legends, like Hull Breacher, I think is like it sees play, but it is not format warping. And I think that's what players want. Like Oko was format warping. Uro was format warping. Hull Breacher sees play, but I'm not like building decks to beat Hull Breacher. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that is the sweet spot that legacy players are looking for. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens with the upcoming sets, but um yeah, I think I, I'm hopeful there'll be a lot of stuff people will just be generally excited about. And I also know that everyone will also be happier once we can actually just go out and play Magic with each yes, other, too. for sure. Um, so Plus. It, 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 it's, it's been tough, admittedly, not being able to do yeah. that. And uh, I feel all of you. I feel all of you. For there. sure. For sure. Yeah. Looking forward to better times. Well, uh, we're, we're coming up on a long one. Do you want to power through? So just a couple quick questions, Gavin. We'll just kind of do the highlights. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've got the time. Let's do right. it. Awesome. Oh, here's a gun. Uh, will more world's smallest magic decks be made? That was another product of, uh, of 2020 that was like a meme for the longest time, and then Wizards finally did it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, how this actually came to be, I, I, and I, don't, I believe this is the story, and I apologize if, if, if uh, I get any of this wrong, and I don't know, someone from Hasbro is listening to this, but I believe what happened is that so there's this company that makes world's smallest X. Mm-hmm. That's their whole shtick. And um, they contacted Hasbro with the idea to be like, hey, what if we did this for magic cards? And they're like, well, talk to wizards. And they kicked it over to us. And we're like, I don't know, it sounds kind of cool. So we just went ahead and did it. Um, I I honestly, I mean, I would be surprised if there were more of them. Um, but it's not impossible. I guess we'll see how this one does. Go from there. <laughs> it was funny because the world's smallest sleeves, the world's smallest inner sleeves, world's smallest deck box. 
it was it like I'm pretty sure even Wizards did this as like an April Fool's thing years ago, where like where yeah oh yeah, we did yeah like the, uh, along with Thinky yeah, yeah. The travel the travel deck and it was like people in a car <laughs> playing yeah <laughs> and as someone who has played Legacy on a plane at fifty thousand feet, I can appreciate a, a miniature ma- uh, magic deck. <laughs> I remember one year I was flying to the Legacy Grand Prix. This was back when I was a player. I was flying to the Legacy Grand Prix in uh, Chicago. By which Chicago, I mean like I don't know an hour west of Chicago yep. or wherever it was, Schoenberg or something. And um, I was trying to figure out what deck I was going to play. And I had like the last row of the airplane all to myself. Ooh. So I got out I got out my deck boxes and I started like playing games against myself across two different <laughs> tables um, of like the airplane tables. And it worked out great. I got some great Gavin versus Gavin playtesting in. But every time someone would walk by to go to the bathroom, I would just get this look like <laughs> what is going on? Because A, they had no idea what I was doing. But second of all, it looked like I was playing two decks of cards against against the same person, which is what I was doing, and it just looked ridiculous. <laughs> so um, yeah, I looked I, like a I've crazy person because I was a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that is true. I guess I got to get what I deserve there. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Travis has a question here. I know every set released is legacy legal, but have they ever considered printing a set with uh, straight to legacy cards similar to Modern Horizons? I feel that's a small market. Is that what legacy players would even I don't want? Think so. I feel like what I've been I feel like what I've been asked for is not uh, things that constantly upturn yeah. the apple card of legacy. Right? So, I mean if you want that, you know, there are sets like I mean we do think about legacy making sets like Modern Horizons or Commander Legends, which Commander Legends for if you think about it is sort of a set that goes straight to legacy, right? Um but I, I don't think players want that. So if if more people do let me know in the comments, but um yeah, I don't I don't think that's the thing we're looking I, to do. As a legacy player, I don't want that. <laughs> I do not want that. Uh, so don't you, I love that you're like, I'm going to ask this question on my show and then immediately <laughs> hit it. Like, I am a man of the people. I will, give the, I will give the people their platform and then immediately rile against it. <laughs> um, Josh Alexander wants to know, is there a parentheses publicly revealable method to the selection of border shifted cards? Is that something that you can talk about as far as this is for Time Spiral Remastered, yes, I presume? for Time Spiral Remastered. So I'm going to guess the answer is no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about this more when we get closer to Time Spiral Remastered. But so, you know, we selected car. I'll put it this way. Go back and look at the bonus sheet for Time Spiral and the cards that we did there. And I think you'll see some similar stuff show up here. Not not as in similar cards, but similar style of choosing, where, to be clear, not every card is going to be a legacy hit. Like, I know we showed off Path to Exile and Chalice of the Void already, but keep in mind that the third card we showed was Relentless Rats, mm-hmm. okay? So they're, they're not all, like, legacy slam dunks mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. There is some funnier and goofier stuff on that list. I think, on the whole, we're going to be, we're going to have more hits than, like, Time Spirals did, but there's still some cards on there that are going to be, like, commons or uncommons that are, you're going to be like, why, why, why is this here? Um... So just, you know, set your expectations appropriately, enjoy it. You're not just getting the top, you know, 100 played cards in Legacy on a list that have never been an old frame, right? Um, but there'll be some. And, uh, yeah, wait a little bit and see what they are. All right. Uh, Tyler Wilkin wants to know, will we ever get a white draw card in the future? Every other color has something. Blue has Brainstorm, green has Sylvan Library, red has Faithless Looting, black has Knight's Whisper. The best white has is revitalize. Right. Will we ever get a white draw card? Come on. Pursuit of knowledge isn't good enough for you, buddy. What's up? <laughs> Aren't you okay with survival cash? I mean, come on, man. 
What gives? Not good enough. Um, if you know what those cards do, you can go look them up. Pursuit of Knowledge is a favorite of mine. It draws you seven cards in white. I don't know what more you could ask for. Uh, it's no, the white grizzle I, brand. It's definitely thing that we've... Yeah, it's, it's basically the white grizzle brand. Um, this is a question that I get a ton. As I mentioned even earlier, I alluded to in this show, we've heard a lot of feedback on white. We know that white is missing things like card draw and mana ramp, which is crucial not only for commander, but also especially card draw um, for other formats. And it's the thing that we're very much looking into. I think the trick is making white do it in a way that feels white as opposed to like to doing a way that feels like another colors. When we gave red the ability to draw cards, we kind of let it do this exile the top card of your library. You can play it thing, which feels very red. And I was also given red some great card advantage. And with white, I think you will see us when we do eventually implement it. Something like that, where it's a way that um, is white appropriate to allow you to draw cards. Yeah. You know, flavor pie reasons. Uh, here's a good one. So Joshua says in 2010, there were 689 new card designs that came out in 2019. There were 1200 new card designs. We've seen twice as many new cards released and three times as many products each year. Uh, has staff, has staffing kept pace in the play testing department to increase the workload. And then some other users have also asked, you know, basically I think the root question here is, you know, is wizards, dedicating more resources to playtesting. Man, we are... I'll put it this way. When I came to work at Wizards uh, back in 2011, we had to use everyone on our team to fill a draft. Hmm. (laughs) Okay? So it was very, very small. Um, Now... I, we've, our team is gigantic. So yes, we have, we have stepped it up by leaps and leaps and leaps and leaps and bounds. Uh, I mean, we, I don't know. I, I don't know the exact head count off the top of my head. I'm not at that level, but th- there's tons of people in the, in the department. We have no trouble like filling drafts and, uh, you know, doing play testing and all that kind of stuff. I will say that we can always use more people. In fact, we have some job postings online right now. So if you want to come work for wizards, like go check out our job is available on our wizards website. It might not be like directly into the game design department. Although I think there might be one up right now. Um, but, but, uh, go, go take a look. Um, but yes, we have continued to hire like, like wild, like we've been hiring people left and right. We continue to grow. And next year we have more plans to keep hiring people. So, um, yes, we are continually bringing people in and I know I'm going to need the help based on how many projects I'm working on. So, uh, yes, I, I think we've done a pretty good job keeping pace with all that. Nice. Awesome. I think that's good to hear. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to kind of modify Chris Thomas's question here. Uh, are you tracking non-reserve list playable cars that do not have a foil printing cough, cough, elf yes. spirit guide, carpet of flowers. And do you plan to remedy this? <laughs> And Mystic Remora, yeah. There's a uh, high tide. Like, there, uh, I, by the fact, I'll put it this way the fact that I'm rattling them off the top of my head will tell you that I very much know what these cards are. There is a so, list. Uh, there is a list. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I mean, I am the promo guy, so I help select promos. And as the promo guy, uh, a lot of these old cards, like, promos are a great place to put some, a lot of the stuff. It's like, where the crap is Mystic Remora going to go? Like, where it, like, and I'm not saying it is a promo, but I am saying that it's going to be a lot easier for me to make it like a random judge promo or something like that than it is to find a home for it in like an upcoming standard set. Um, so, uh, yes, I very much try and keep in mind what these are and try and find spots for them. Uh, I can't tell you when or where or if I even know when some of these will be coming out. Um, but, yes, I am very much aware. Also, isn't like Remora a real world animal? Like doesn't Wizards have a policy about like not printing? Like that's why we don't get grizzle, Grizzly Bear reprint anymore because it's like it's not fantasy enough. 
though. I guess I guess um, Mystic Remora well, is fairly fantasy <laughs> in its actual name. Yeah, uh, gr- the problem with grizzly bears is twofold. One is that it's a plural. We try to do not plur- try to not do plurals of creatures when we can avoid it. Hmm. Um, and the other is, I, I believe, and I'm not. Um, what's the word? A triologist is probably a, an appropriate word. I don't know it. Uh, like a tree botanist. <laughs> ar- 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 anyway. ar- I, think, I think grizzly is like a specific, r- an arborist. Maybe that's it. Uh, grizzly, I believe, is like a specific real world thing. Yeah. Because um, isn't the gri- grizzly is like a place or something? I don't know. Um, yeah, hmm. we try not to something do that. Something like that. If I Googled it, I'd probably figure it out. Where is, where, what is grizzly? Grizzly is uh, a specific kind of bear in the, in the U.S. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, I think, I think, it's, like, I think it's like a real world flavor thing. But mostly it's the, it's the group of creature Interesting. Gotcha. Right. Okay. All right, here's a fun one from Travis. Travis wants to know, what's the most egregious card design you've ever seen nixed do it be due to being so busted? Well, there's a lot of cards that created unintentional, like, infinite loops or draws <laughs> um, with themselves because people just didn't realize it. So, like, there's one card that basically let you Oblivion Ring loop itself if you played it on an empty board, <laughs> which is pretty dumb. Infinite loop, yes. <laughs> So you're just like, oh, turn two, this game doesn't look like it's going well. I'm just going to play this and loop the game. That was, that was pretty <laughs> stupid. Um, I don't know. That, I'd have to think on that one and, and get back to you. But there's – I have seen a lot of Busto cards in my time. <laughs> it, there's this one card in Commander Legends that we tried for one – I think half of one playtest, which was a two-mana artifact that uh, said whenever your commander enters the battlefield, create a token that's a copy of it, except it's not legendary, which I know is not like anything in Legacy, but in Commander it was hmm. pretty dumb because you just played on turn two, and then every time you cast your commander, you got a free uh-huh. bonus commander. <laughs> uh, that was that was really ridiculous. For only two mana, too. That's, um, that's, uh, that's quite a bargain. I'd have to think on that more. I, I, would, I would have to think on that more. I'm sure I've seen a number of, of ridiculous ones. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's, it's a great question, though. Ooh, Zach Kirby's got a good question here. What's your favorite card from 2020 that you had a direct hand in making? Ooh, that I, well, had a direct hand. Direct hand is, 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 a, is a toughie. We, we can um, open it up. I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite cards was Hans Eriksson uh, in Commander Legends. Mm-hmm. Direct hand is like a toughie because I put it, someone else pitched it to me and I put it in the set and made a small mm-hmm. tweak to it. Um, I don't know if you want to count that or not. It's not like truly a direct hand. Um, I really liked how Jared Carthelian turned out, which gives another player the monarchy. That was my idea, which was really cool. Uh, the card design changed a little bit, but that was one thing that, that I tweaked to it. Um, I don't know. Those, those, are, those are a few that, that pop into, into my mind. Can I ask you a random question, Gavin? Yeah. So when it comes to like the names of cards, right? So when you design cards, do you always have like a name in mind? I know you have people who like work on flavor text and sometimes name cards as well, but like how often do you get to name a card yourself and, and see it through play design, play design and all that stuff? Very rarely. I mean, uh, I, I will name playtest cards all the time. Sure. Um, but those names are not going to stick, right? I, I, I give them random names. Usually I give cards names that are not going to stick, um, except for legendary characters which I will name if I know they're going to be that legendary character mm-hmm. because then it, it conveys the flavor meaning. But playtest names almost never make it. Um, the only cards that I have named in all of my history at Wizards are Endless Atlas <laughs> from um, Commander 2018 and all of the Mystery Booster playtest cards. I named all those. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think that's the entire list. So, so, yeah, not, so not one like, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, interesting. Yeah, norm- the, the creative team does that all. And in fact, we are often encouraged 
to give our cards names that we know will not stick um, because that way no one gets attached to them or anything like yeah. that. You know? Is that like just also so you're not wasting time, wasting like brain space on like naming a card when it really isn't right. in your job description I, I, kind of thing? Yeah, Exactly. It's, it's like we know it's going to change. Yeah. I don't need to na- name the card. Um, gotcha. So uh, unless like – no, the only exception is if you have a really creative concept. Like if you're like, oh, this is what this thing is. Like mm-hmm. um, uh, tris- uh, like I gouge. Um, it's like, okay, this is always going to be an eye gouge. I'm going to name it eye gouge. If you're trying to communicate a flavor thing, that's great. Gotcha. But for creatures, like the number of times I've just named something, something totally like, you know, angry dude or whatever is yeah. like, <laughs> very high. Angry dude has been used a lot. <laughs> gotcha. I'll, also, gotcha. I just got a, a breaking question. Someone just text messaged me a question. If you're speaking to Gavin right now, <laughs> if wow, you're speaking well to Gavin right now, I have a couple questions regarding brawl. <laughs> What's going on with okay. Brawl? Uh, has it ever been considered as a pro tour format? Uh, and no. is there potential? <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> uh, and I think this goes against the premise of Brawl, but is there a potential to make it an eternal format like Legacy Commander Mix that keeps the entire history of magic in the spotlight? Thanks, Gavin. Um, so, no, it's never intended to be a, a competitive format. That was that was never never the idea there. Um, so I would not anticipate that happening. Where Brawl is right now, the current state of Brawl is, it's on. It's really Arena's way of playing a commander style format. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're going to see is it continue to exist on Arena and be tried out there. And then uh, some kind of uh, historic Brawl where you can play with all the cards that are on Arena. Could, I think could very much be a thing. But I don't think you're going to see like a real world implementation of it that goes back to legacy. That's going to be more of like a. Um, I mean, if you want to do that, you can just play commander. You know? I do. So. I do enjoy brawl. It, you know, we we pushed real hard for brawl, Gavin. I wanted it. I wanted it to. Yeah, it's and it's found a good spot. It's found, I think it's found a pretty good spot in uh, on Magic Online. Uh, no, uh, so. That's that's the one thing I miss about uh, that Magic Online doesn't have that Arena does is uh, is is brawl. <laughs> so maybe brawl will get me to uh, to you know play some more Arena. <laughs> You know, if you want to do something fun, one thing that I've been doing that's been a blast that I have personally been really enjoying is me and some friends have been doing this arena brawl league where um, we basically, if you're familiar with the boxing league concept, Mm -hmm. like uh, what people have been doing for Commander, where we crack a box and then build a deck on arena that's brawl and play against each other and then tweak our decks every week. I can send over the exact rules if you want them because I I added in a few changes. But but it's been pretty fun playing on like limited brawl with people. Hmm. And arena is a great way to do it because, you know, we just pick the sets that are on arena. So that way it looks great. There's no like no webcams involved. Um, even newer players can play because they their collections are good enough on arena. So that's been so you you buy you buy a paper box. You open the paper box, build the deck, and then you just build the same deck on Arena because Arena is the has the free to play. That that's the gist of it. There's some other. Cool. It's not actually a full box because it's brawl. You need fewer packs. So, but it's it's the same premise. Nice. Hmm. Um, and then because we're spikes, uh, we draft the sets that you can that you get to take. So like instead of just being like, oh, I'm gonna pick a Coria because Coria is the best. There's actually like an order, and every week the player who's won the fewest times gets to, to pick the next set that they're drafting oh, right cool. in, nice. in that order. So like it adds a fun little draft mini game to. Um, hmm. To it. And then at the end, we have a champion and a trophy and all. Oh, that, that's so. sick! Yeah, we'll uh, we'll post that up on the Facebook uh, page because that does sound like a uh, like a fun. Yeah, it's been a really fun. It's like a great, been a fun way to play. The, you know, the, the trick is, I mean, you have to get the packs, and then we're, which we're doing um, uh, uh, twenty four packs, 
and then you need to open them and then you have to build your deck on arena on arena. So like, you know, it does take some investment. Um, but it's been really, really that sounds fun. Sounds awesome. Yeah. That sounds a lot of fun. And it's like the perfect power level for me. It's like you're playing standard ish, competitive ish, right? Um, mm-hmm. and it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, Eric Martin wants to know, does Gavin, that's you, does Gavin think that snow basics break rule number one? No land can be strictly better than a basic land. So do you feel that snow basics are better than regular basics? No, n- uh, no, I do not. Um, I, there's a lot of, there are plenty of cards in magic's history that have nerfed snow cards. I think more importantly in the future, we have the wherewithal, the print cards that make snow, not a good thing to be playing. One of the disappointing things about Snowlands to me is in Magic we make so many cool kinds of basic lands that if you have to play with snow basics, you can't play with your favorite unhinged basics or whatever. Yeah. So there is a very real cost there that, that we do think about. Um, but uh, no, I do not think that Snowlands are inherently better than a basic land. Yeah, I just want to see more. I want to see more beta basics at the uh, Legacy tables. That's all. For sure. I, you know, people spend a lot of time and energy getting their favorite basic lands, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you shouldn't feel bad for playing them. I, I love I, I one of my favorite upgrades I made to my legacy decks was buying beta basics and I didn't realize how much I how much I was missing until I had them and I I, I wouldn't ever want to go back to it so well that's like my my blue white control list I'm like yeah I could be running Arkham's Astrolabe but then I wouldn't be able to use my beta basics so exactly I don't exactly. run Arkham's Astrolabe in my blue white control deck <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally to rob round it off rob- I wonder if I mean this is we, I'm gonna say something okay. And just to be clear, I think the chances of this happening are essentially zero, okay? But I am just curious. I'd be curious to know what the community would feel about this, which is how would you feel if before your match, you could just say that all your lands are basic, or sorry, all your lands are snow or all your lands are non-snow. That way you could play with whatever lands you wanted, but you could um, you could do it. Now, of course, this does not work when you're like trying to both have ba- uh, snow and non-snow lands. Yeah, you'd have to hmm. um, Like for Field of the Dead or whatever. But, you know, in, in other situations, that could work. I'd mean, just be curious to know what people thought about that, because that way you could still play your cool basics. I'll note again that I think the chances of this happening are infinitesimally small. Right, um, yeah. But I'll ask the question anyway. I, I think it's nice because for most players, it gives you the option of basically you can turn any art into a snow basic, which is what people want for the aesthetics of their deck. But at the same time, the super spiky competitive people wouldn't take advantage of that because that's giving your opponent free information and you never mm-hmm. want to give. Cause if, mm-hmm. if I'm saying, Hey, all my lands are snow lands, just to let you know that immediately tells your opponent before the game starts that, Oh, you have stuff in your deck that cares about snow lands. Well, I mean, it kind of doesn't, it kind of doesn't, right? Cause the level beyond that is to tell your opponent oh. that when you don't have anything that cares about snow lands in your deck. <laughs> Next level. Yeah. That, that's what I would do, honestly. Cause I don't ever have <laughs> played a deck that cares about snow lands, but these right, are like, all snow. Imagine you're, these are all snow. <laughs> imagine lands. you're like oops, oops, all lands players sits down at the table, and it's like, just so you know, all my basics are not snow. <laughs> and you're like, what is going on? You know, like <clears throat> I'm actually going to start doing that at tournaments, regardless if this rule <laughs> ever comes into effect. <laughs> <clears throat> I love it. <laughs> mm. All right, and finally, Rob has kind of a technical question here. Uh, why do some cards say you may spend mana as though it were any color and other cards say you may spend mana as though it were any type? Yeah. So this is why we have editors to answer questions like, oh, okay. This. <laughs> um, I believe I could be wrong, but I believe the difference is that color is of course the five colors of magic type refers to both colorless mana oh. as well as snow mana. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, interesting. 
so for example, with the type reference, you could do, uh, you could pay for like, uh, uh, I think I could be wrong. You could pay for like a reality smasher. Mm-hmm. I could also be incorrect on this though. I mean, I'm no, I'm no expert on the differences between type and color, but I think that's what it means. I, I'm going to agree with you there. I feel that is the correct answer. Now, I don't know if we've actually ever used that wording before, but anyway, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of it. Uh, that's what I believe is true. Awesome. And uh, I know guys, I skipped over a lot of your questions. Uh, we answered a lot of them in the episode. So I hope uh, you guys got some satisfaction from there. And thankfully not any, I, I prefaced it, not any reserve list questions. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the reserve list is not something I can really talk much about. And uh, as a, as a designer, I don't get to make the calls on that one. Yeah. So. I feel like we've beaten a dead horse on that one. Anyway, we've, we've made our, I think, I feel like we've made our voices heard on that and uh, what's going to be is what's going to be. So, I like talking about fresh stuff anyway. It's fun. Thunder spirit will remain trapped for the time being. I know that's what you all want back. That's true. That's true. Just keep pushing that boundary, Gavin. You know, those those flip lands. Those flip lands came oh so close. Oh so close. (laughs) You ever ever go to like a wrestling match, Jerry? Uh, Have you been to like a WWE or WWF Like in in sixth grade. Not since like sixth grade. Okay. So you know when like like you get a, a guy would get pinned in the mat and the ref would go one, two... And he hit his hand for the third, but like the guy shot his arm up, and everyone in the audience goes, "Ooh!" Like it's that close. <laughs> when I saw those lands, I went, "Ooh!" <laughs> you just hold out your thumb and forefinger like an inch apart. Ooh, so close, so close, so close. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, that that was a great wrap up. You know. Despite everything that happened in 2020, and I think 2020 just being not not just with magic, just like in general, 2020 being a rough year for everyone, um, I do think uh, some pretty exciting stuff came out of it, and I'm I'm excited for 2021. I really am. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, man. I think 2021 is going to be a friggin' awesome year. I really feel that way. I, I I have not been I have not been this optimistic on the eve of a new year. Uh, in the last four years, we'll just put it that way. So I'm I'm very excited. I mean, Time Spiral remastered into Dungeons and Dragons theme set. I I don't see I, how that like can go so wrong. so. I don't know if you know this, Gavin, but Jerry and I have been doing a, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast for a couple of years now. And, oh no, I didn't. Yeah, and so that got me into D and D. So I'm like super stoked for the D and D set as well. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that for sure. I'll be very curious to see what you both think. Yeah, I mean, I, I will admit that at this point, I I am an optimistic person. First of all. At this point, I feel like I, I'm being cautiously optimistic. Like, not, not about ma- magic I feel very good about. The world, I'm like, well, I really hope everything keeps going on the right track because I'd love to see people again, but who knows. I would have also told you back in March that I was going to be in quarantine for three weeks. So, um, mm. But uh, I'm hopeful everything will, be, will get, be getting better on that side of things. And with magic, I know we've got a real banger of sets lined up for you next year, and I can't wait for you to all see them. So um, I guess you'll have to stay tuned. And hopefully maybe around Time Spar Remastered, I can come back and talk with you all. Yeah, I would definitely. love that. Would Definitely that. want you back on for Time Trial Remastered so we can really sink our teeth into the, into that specific Yeah, I want, I want all the stories. I want all the design stories of, of, of it, too. Like, yeah. That's what I'm excited for. We can talk about all, all the cards that are included that you're excited about and the ones that were not included that you're like, Gavin, why isn't this in here? That's okay. We we'll, we'll, wait for, we'll wait for part two. That's all. It, it's, it'll happen, I, right? Because I, I, can, I can guarantee for both of you and for everyone out there listening, the set will almost certainly have at least one card that you want. And we'll almost certainly have one card that you, or be missing one card that you want. Yeah. So, uh, and there's not like, I'm not thinking of specific cards. I'm just like, that's humans, right? Yes, like, you'll have a list of, of cards course. you want. Some will be in there, some won't be. Yeah. So, yep. it's going to be awesome. That's all I know. How I, could you I'm, not reprint Weather Traveler? I was so excited for 
<laughs> yeah, I, I just I just can't wait for twenty twenty one, man. I think you know, especially with with this year. I mean, you know, it's been it's been rough. So I I just am so looking forward to twenty twenty one. I really am. I think it's gonna be great. And I, I, I am too. I am too. And once again, everyone out there, please stay safe. Wear your masks. Yes. Social distance. Like let's let's kick this thing. Let's turn it around. And let's make twenty twenty one awesome. Guys, I really need to sun- see sunlight again. Like my skin <laughs> cannot take it. I, I've been locked in my house for months. I, the I only sunlight Jerry has had has been his grow lights, and it's not it's not looking good on him. It doesn't suit his complexion very well. Uh, no, no, Gavin, I saw that you ditched the beard. Yes, it's true. It's true. The the beard has has made its farewell. I made a I made a wonderful farewell to the beard video. <laughs> By the way, the, the which which so the beard uh, I calculated the number of days it took me to grow the beard. It was like two hundred thirty two days, and I went back to look at the video statistics, and the video has now been watched for more than two hundred thirty two days of time. So I feel like the beard really got its beard value. <laughs> you know, like oh, I'm sorry, I I totally forgot. There was one question I was saving to the end that I totally just forgot about until right now. Is uh, someone asked what is Gavin's plans for content creation? In that was that's what I was getting into, Jerry. Thank you. Yes. That's what I was getting into. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, so right this year, because I was at home, I started my YouTube channel, Good Morning Magic, which has been very successful. I mean, when I say very successful, I'll talk about magic sets. There's like wizard successful. That That's wizards doing his thing. Good Morning Magic is basically all me. And by my metrics, I'm so happy. And I think it's very successful with, with for what I'm happy with, right? And I've, you know, in, in nine months, I've got 15,000 subscribers. I've got over 1 million views, like a lot of stuff that I'm really, really happy with. And uh, I'm just going to keep making videos for the time being, and um, we'll see see what happens. You know, it is a lot. It's basically a job on top of my other job because I do it all outside of work hours. Mm-hmm. So, like, I will – three days a week, I will finish working, I will eat dinner, and then I will work till 3 a.m. making my next video. Um, and uh, it is it is a lot, but I really enjoy what it's been doing, and I really enjoy the community impact that it's had. So going to keep doing that. In 2021, I'd also love to stream a little bit too, um, but we'll see. We'll see if I get there. We'll see if I get there. One thing at a time for now. We got to get the uh, the Good Morning Magic uh, videos posted up on the Facebook group too, so uh, people can find it easier. Because that's a good idea. I know. Yeah, I, I not you know I'll admit that a lot of the t- a lot of my content is focused on the stuff that we're releasing when we're releasing it. So I haven't done like a ton of legacy focused episodes, but I've done a couple, um, and I'll probably have some more in the future too. I'm always looking for good content to fill during like dead time. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And as the dead format, legacy is great for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, just I think legacy is just a great format. I love bringing people into it whenever I can. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm pumped. I'm definitely can't wait to get back, uh, you know, see everyone again. But we'll be safe until then and have a lot to look forward to until then. You know, if nothing else, uh, sitting at home can go through my magic collection and just, you know, reminisce about the good times. <laughs> totally, totally. That's incredibly I mean, that, depressing. Me, you know, I, I Sorry, <laughs> was that too depressing? <laughs> That's <Damn>. so depressing. <laughs> I can go through I, my I think that, thing about me about magic that I think has uh, two things I want to say. First of all, magic players always surprise and impress me um, as a whole. And I am so happy with how resilient people have been this year. Where even in the face of a global pandemic, which by the way is redundant, I shouldn't say that because pandemic already means global. I'm sorry, English professors. <laughs> but anyway, in, in, the, in, the, in the face of a pandemic, we have pioneered ways to still play magic against each other. And the, and the advent of webcam magic is so cool to me of like it finally coming into its own like people doing that all over the world and still playing games, which is, is fantastic. And uh, the other thing I'll say is, you know, I, I've always said that magic is a game that you think about 
and do other things and play the game more than you actually play. And um, the fact that people are still building decks, still talking about things, still like having discourse with each other is so cool, right? And you don't see that in a lot of other games. There's so many things that's like, wow, we can't meet up and play this thing. It's just going to fall off my radar. Mm-hmm. And with Magic, so much stuff still happens despite the fact that people can't meet up and play together. And I'm just so grateful by the fact that I can still go build a new deck or brew something up or debate the, the right draft pick or something with, with people uh, that I care about. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you all for helping make this year what it was. And uh, although it had plenty of downsides, the community is always at the center of it for me. And I'm so glad you were all there to um, really help uh, be there for me and everyone else that Definitely. needs it. Well, we can't thank you enough, Gavin, for you know dedicating your time. You know This is your free time, not your, your work time. So the fact that you're so available to us and you know really kept this tradition alive means a lot to us. It, it yeah, really absolutely. does. So you know, can't thank you enough. It's my pleasure. I love the show, and I cannot wait till we can all go play an event together at an upcoming uh, tournament. I know the moment there is a big event I can fly to, I don't care where it is, I will be there. Yep. So Let's yep. go. Vegas Vegas 2021, maybe 2022. Let's go. <laughs> don't say 2022. It's going to have a 2021. No, I want it to be safe. So either 2021 or if it's not safe, 2022. I'm a pragmatist. <laughs> pragmatist, Pat. Actually, even more, you know what I, I miss so much? Uh, that they didn't bring it back was uh, Hascon. I thought Hascon was amazing. Yeah, and I it was really hope they do it again in the future. Yeah, maybe, maybe someday. Maybe someday. I mean, certainly not right now. Yeah, but oh, we'll yeah, see, sure. <laughs> see where we get after after the it pandemic. Was, it was so cool to have like a major thing like that in our backyard too, right in Providence. It was neat, you know. I love I love the fact that Hasbro is right right in my home state around. So uh, yeah, I would love to see Hascon. Uh, Providence is. I like Providence. It's a really nice city. I mean, it's not huge or anything, but I really enjoy it. Providence is sweet, especially if you know like the lo- if you know like people who are local there who can show you the. There's like awesome places to eat in and around Providence. Oh my gosh, yeah. yes! Yeah. I went to some amazing places when I was yeah. there. I would I would go back for sure. Yeah, Providence. Is great. If there's like a Magic Fest Providence, count me in. Yep. yep. I mean, that's basically I, at this point though. I would just go anywhere. If you're like, <laughs> hey, you want to go to a Magic Fest like Birmingham, Alabama? No offense to those who live there, but like I normally wouldn't fly there. For an event, I'm like, yes, sign me you up. Said, you said Magic um, Fest, Nebraska. Yeah, I'm there. Oh, it's just in the cornfields. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Well, that's that's the best part about uh, Magic Fest Boston is it's also basically Magic Fest Providence because every time they do Magic Fest Boston, it's always in Worcester, which right. is e- equally distant from Boston and Providence. And like, honestly, Worcester is <laughs> a dope city too. Like, I love the like the, the when Star City would come to Worcester. I love those events. They were great. Yeah, for sure. Sure. I mean, I would, yeah. I, anyway, when <laughs> there's an event, you'll find me there. Well, we can't wait. I can't wait. And if there isn't one, we'll make our own. But just got to wait till it's all safe. So please do, everyone do your part making that happen. I have had so many friends and family members contract COVID or even die from it. Um, and uh, it, it's been rough. So please, please, please stay safe. Yeah. And the faster people stay safe and wear masks and stop ask, uh, acting like a bunch of ninnies, the faster we can get out and do these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is slowing the rest of us down. So wear your mask, people. <laughs> Every time I see my friends in New Zealand post pictures, I'm very envious. Yeah. So let's be let's be more like them. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Gavin. It was a pleasure as always. Uh, also, Pat, we wrapped up the uh, the auction for the fetch the secret layer fetch lands for the charity in- drive. Indeed. Yep. Yep. We did. We had a. Uh, hold on, let me just pull up the. Well, I'll, po- I'll post the winner in the uh, in the uh, in the thread itself. 
But I want to thank everyone who bid on that. Um, it was awesome. We raised another $250 with the uh, Secret Layer fetches. And thank you to uh, Skull Clamp MTG for just straight up donating those. He mailed them to me and uh, just just gave us them to, to raffle off for charity. So that was a, an amazing, kind gesture from them. Uh, so thanks to Skull Clamp MTG. And uh, yeah, uh, I believe our top bidder is Dave Rebecki. I'll, I'll be in contact with David. Thank you again for all the uh, for all the bids. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, let's let's yeah, uh, got, let's wrap it up. Yeah, we got one more. So I'm going to be posting it on the Facebook page, guys. Uh, our friend at the Legacy Pit, Travis, donated a bunch of uh, like foil promo wasteland and Japanese foil goblin guides and foil soul rings and just a whole bunch of sweet cards we're going to put up. And uh, that's probably going to be our last one for the year. Uh, to get it all, all for the uh, Room to Grow charity. So yep. we'll uh, get that holiday raffle all, all locked up. So if you've been holding out for the good stuff, here it is, guys. Here it is. Uh, here check, it is. Well, thank yeah. What's that, Jerry? I was just say check the Facebook page uh, yeah. for more info on Yeah, that. we'll have all that stuff up there. Thanks again, Gavin. Thanks for coming on. Um, let's let's wrap this up. I hope everyone has a great new year, a safe new year. Stay home. Watch the ball drop or not. You know, Go to bed early, whatever you do. But just stay home. Stay safe. And we're going to see you all in 2021, man. I'm excited. I'm going to be on Moto. I'm going to be playing some some Legacy as the ball drops. I'll That's be on Moto with you, Jerry. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Gavin, for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure. All right. Thank you both so much for having me on. And thanks out there. It's truly to everyone out there for listening because, you know, it really is the great fans who listen to this podcast who make it do coming on worthwhile. So, I mean, I love these guys. Don't get me wrong. Jerry and Pat are great. I sit in a room for two hours and talk with them for no reason anyway. But the fact that you all are willing to listen uh, is, is amazing. So, thank you. And uh, can't wait to see you all sometime soon. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Catch you all next week. See ya. Come on down,